Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Alright everyone, welcome back to the Grave Plot Podcast. This is episode 60. I am Skeletoni. Taylor, as we said last episode, is out of town currently. And, you know, he would be on one of our uh, sequences of 10 episodes. <laughs> Prick. Uh, but as a guest, I'm joined here with my dad, John, who has obviously been on the show a couple times before. Hey, Dad. Hey, hey Tony. Dad. Everyone, it's good to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Yep. Um, so how you doing? Uh, no complaints. Good, um, good. Just uh, your mother and I just celebrated our 33rd wedding anniversary. That's yesterday. right, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> been a good life, producing offspring and <laughs> fighting a good fight. Right. Living the dream. Yeah. How was your uh, anniversary? Uh, well, we're in our mid-50s, so it's not <laughs> as spectacular as it used to be when we were in our mid-20s and nah, mid-30s. But not uh, clubbing? Or... No, no, clubbing days are pretty much over. <laughs> but uh, no, we had a good time. We... Uh, uh, accomplish what we are after, raised uh, raise good kids, set you guys out on your own, and now we just enjoy each other's company more than anything else. Fair enough. I mean, did you guys go out and do anything? Or just Funny you should mention that. <laughs> no, we had reservations for a nice dinner out at Salty's and <clears throat> go catch a movie or go, go do something. We were all good to go. And then about three o'clock, mom says, Fuck it. I'm good if we just want to stay home. <laughs> Is there anything good at, anything good at Redbox? God, you guys are old. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Salty's will still be there next week. <laughs> Movies come and go. So, yeah, we just uh, we just hung out here and <laughs> had a grand old time. Jesus. And see, here I am coming up on my second year of marriage. And, you know, I'm trying to think, like, oh, God, you know, we went down to Oregon, um, like the coastline of Oregon uh, for our anniversary last year and now I'm trying to think of like not necessarily how to top that but how to do something in that scope and like I have no idea what to do <laughs> oh well, I mean we've we 33 years man we have spent anniversaries traveling we spent anniversaries eating we've spent anniversaries where on the 24th of the month neither of us could walk and draw new <laughs> conclusions from that um it's a horror podcast. Thank you. Thanks for that picture. <laughs> but uh, no, this is just a time where, uh, yeah, you just decide on the spur of the moment, you know what, our, just our own company is, is sufficient. And <clears throat> that may change one year to the next where we may have no plans and this all of a sudden say, fuck it, let's go to Vegas. <laughs> you know, that's the, the beauty of it is we can do whatever we want, <laughs> whenever we want. Mm-hmm. We worked hard for that, and now we're there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that day. Yeah, well. <laughs> Good education. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I have no idea what to do. I mean, like, we're planning. We've been planning to go down to L.A. because we want to go to uh, Disneyland, and we want to go to Universal Studios. And we figure if we, I mean, we can buy tickets for both of those now, for when we go. So I figured if we kind of space out when we buy them, we can afford to buy tickets for both. And then it's just a matter of getting down there. Um, See, for us, for the cost of two of us going to 
Disneyland and going to Universal. We can do a four day weekend in Miami. Sure. <laughs> for the same price. So, yeah. But, uh, that's pretty much where our minds are at. <laughs> it's just we're, we're on uh, different months in the calendar. Like, I want to go in the summer because I love LA in the summer. I mean, you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants to go there in October, which has some merit. I mean, like, I would like to go there in October as well because, you know, Disneyland does it big for Halloween. Um, and Universal Studios has uh, Halloween Horror Nights where they have, like, you know, roaming monsters and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mazes and stuff. And, like, I've wanted to go to that for as far back as I can remember. Um, but it's like, <laughs> but I want a vacation now. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the longer you, uh, the longer you can hold out, the more you uh, have saved for it and the more rewarding it is. Just as a side check, do your, these listeners give two shits about what we're talking about right now? I don't know. I don't care. You don't give a shit? Okay. <laughs> just checking. Um, uh, yeah. Just general rule of thumb, the longer you wait, the more you save, uh, the more anticipation, the better the vacation should be. Uh, the other side of that coin is there isn't a vacation out there that lives up to expectations. So No, it's not, definitely not. Like, I know we went to, I mean, the East Coast for our honeymoon, and that was, it was fun. But, I mean, like, you know, we went to Salem, Massachusetts, uh, around Halloween time, which was a mistake, <laughs> because... A lot of other people had that thought too. Oh sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's it, it it was a shame because the the place looks awesome. I mean, like you know, there's a lot obviously lots of history there. Um, they've got uh, a f- they've got like one or two remaining like original buildings that have obviously been been um, restored, but they're the re- original buildings. And then they also have some recreated buildings around Mm -hmm. the town and um you know there are different tours you can take um mostly surrounding the witch trials obviously but also the uh the lot uh the piracy that went on Mm -hmm. in the area um and yeah i mean there's lots of cool history in the town but it's like we went to um the witch museum and it was turned into a haunted house for the season. Oh yeah, you told me that. And oh my god, like and it, it pissed me off because Kristen was so mad about it mm-hmm. because she really wanted to go to that. And then there was also a wax museum, like uh, a horror wax museum, there in town. It's supposed to be like one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. That was a haunted house too. And it's like there weren't even good haunted houses, <laughs> so it was just disappointing. Yeah, the concept of haunted house has gotten pretty commercial and way too uh, there's way too much density out there. Um, you mentioned the the, the L.A. venues <clears throat> fixing up for Halloween. Um, back in the '80s, about the time you were born, actually before you were born, because mom and I hadn't we're, we're, we're still going out, just married. Knotts was the only place that was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Universal latched onto it five six years later, give or take. Disney never really got into it. Universal never really got into it for many, many years. But Knott's, that was the shit, man. <clears throat> and um, Not Scary Farm. Not Scary Farm. And it, it ran for, I think, 10, 
Um, I'm really going way. I'm trying to do that in memory bank. She ran for like seven consecutive nights. They took a night off, I think, to mop up the blood and shit, and then <laughs> and then another three nights or something like that. It was it was a total of ten nights. Um, you paid about twice what normal admission was to get in just for that event. Which they, was like fourteen dollars. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah, fourteen bucks in nineteen eighty three, you know, or twenty bucks in nineteen eighty three. Well, you know, it's, it's sure. like seventy five now for for that kind of uh, discretionary shit spending, which has no return on investment except, you know, have some laughs. Sure, but <clears throat> they'd clear the park out. Uh, so if you went in there for the day, as a family, you're fucked because they cleared the park out at like uh, like seven or seven thirty p.m. or something like mm. that. Shoot everybody out, recalibrated for the. Fright Fest and over the scary farm and then went in from like 8 p.m. till 2 in the morning or something like that. And that was that was awesome. That was where they spared no expense. Yeah. They brought in God knows how many temps and these people were dressed up. And this is before when you could still, you know, like touch people and stuff and you scare yeah. the fuck out of these, these <laughs> visitors and stuff. And I, I witnessed it. I, I was with groups of people that were infiltrated by these, you know, made up people. It was, it was fucked up. And the rides that are pretty sedate. You know, for the most part, Knott's Berry Farm, they're just sort of, sort of, uh, 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 what is, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're not thrill rides, they're just more, uh, um, mundane rides. <laughs> no, no, they're, 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 they're slower, they're more for atmosphere. Oh, okay, yeah. They're not, they're not like, like Magic Mountain where it was all thrill rides. So, sure. the point is, there were, there was, uh, almost like Disney rides. They were like places to hide and stuff like that. And these guys were in the rides, mm-hmm. <clears throat> jumping out and, you know, like, pushing you on the shoulder and stuff like that and kind of fucking with you a little bit. It was awesome. Um, <clears throat> but the average ad, uh, admission, headcount rather, for admissions on a summer day, and while wow, I'm trying to set a memory, I think it was 140,000 guests mm-hmm. on an average summer day, rotational, not at one time, but that was the max. For the Halloween event, uh, we stopped going when they said they were allowing allowing two hundred twenty thousand people in that park at oh, one time. Christ. At one time, you couldn't breathe in that thing. After that thing existed for ten, twelve years, it's just you couldn't get in there and breathe. And then that was right when uh, new wave and punk was starting to starting to peak in the early eighties. Oh, so you had these, kids. yeah, you had these fucked up kids coming in there high, just baked. <clears throat> with uh, you know hair that was dangerous, all she shellacked shit. <laughs> I point that out because they were it was actually an inv- an, an instance where a little confrontation took place with a kid with fucking Godzilla spikes on his head. Got to run me right through. They they literally put glue in their hair. Literally put shellac in their hair. Yeah, to get the point, get the spikes. Yeah, but that was that was a look. That was yeah. Think of any look there is today, and that was the one for the time. Mm-hmm. It's like what the hell are we doing here? Why did we just pay? You know, forty bucks or whatever it was to get into this fucking madhouse, and it's not even a fun madhouse because you can't you can't go anywhere. There's no more atmosphere. All it is is teenagers that are weirder than the ghouls, <laughs> but they're troublemakers because they are. Yeah, that's where that sent that stage of entitlement was beginning. You know, and, yeah. and they can do whatever the fuck they want. So it's like, all right, Knots, you fucked up. Yeah. You let it get too big. You let it get too commercial. Yeah. <clears throat> and then everybody else kind of started following suit and following suit. Um, and then uh, same with the haunted houses. The first couple that I ever went to down in L.A. Yeah, they were they were novel mm-hmm. because they were, there was very few. You had to travel to get to them. You had to travel downtown to get to them. There was nothing in the burbs. Um, and then we came here in 95. And schools had them, and malls had them. I mean, they were just everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they've kind of fallen out of favor lately. I think 
that, I mean, not to go off on a tangent here, but I think that has a lot to do with things like The Walking Dead, um, where, I mean, we've talked on the show before about horror fans being kind of jaded and just hard to scare anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not just horror fans anymore. That's just people in general. And I think that's why maybe haunted houses aren't as popular, at least here, as they used to be. Well, you know, you, your your target audience were, of course, small younger kids, tweeners, who would you know. They might. They they might uh, uh, get some jump scares, <clears throat> some validation, some some. Uh, you know, th- th- they were a good audience. The screams were good and everything, um, <clears throat> and then the lovebirds, you know, the the late teenagers, early twenties, just want to go and just hang on to each other, you know, and stuff like that. It's it's old school thinking yeah but that's how these things proliferated those were the target market and it worked mm-hmm. the problem is now you're right people are so much jaded uh the information age social media all of it it's just contributed to where there are no more surprises anymore yeah. the expectations are almost unachievable yeah. uh, and i mean there's there's more terrifying things going on in real life fuck right <laughs> so. fucking a yeah another family gets shot all shot up in ohio did you hear that one that's uh, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. like those crazy bastards up in Monroe. I mean, that just got just got convicted. Yeah, I got um, a when we start on news, I got a, a local story here that we're going to talk about. So, oh, okay. So, I mean, that, yeah, that shit's real. And I mean, the real shit is scarier. Um, yeah, I mean, we we start often more more often than not, we start out our news section with real world real world horror. Mm-hmm. And talk about like the fucked up shit that really goes on. Yeah, so. I, I know. I, I, I've been here for that. Um, but the other thing too is, uh, you know, the 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 recipe was to go and and you know have a sponsor like a radio station, go get an empty warehouse, mm-hmm. and all your wad was blown setting it up. You know, those people that in there don't get paid anything. You know, and all yeah. the all the equipment that all costs money. And you know, maybe you get sponsors to lend it. You, the point is, you all your money is blown setting it up. Oh, but wait. You've got to have an insurance rider for everybody that's going to a get hurt, and everybody that's b going to pretend they got hurt, mm-hmm. and that has just made a lot of them so anemic because they have to pay for the insurance. They shouldn't even have the thing open, or they don't have them open. Have yeah. them open at all. That's why the malls um, started kind of capitalizing it there around. Uh, I don't know, maybe the, the, the early double lots through like 2005. There, every mall had a haunted house, and now you almost don't see them anywhere because they're insurance can't afford the insurance writer yeah. to protect all those people and all the troublemakers that are going to potentially harm someone. Yeah. I so, know the, um, you remember Rob from Crypticon guys running the makeup competition. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he's, he's on like the, the board. He's a, he's a higher up. I, I can't remember his exact position, uh, with, uh, nightmare at Beaver Lake. Um, and, you remember you might you might remember several years ago I went and worked at a haunted house for a season. Yeah, I remember. Um, that's a big deal for you. Yeah, it was it was fun, and I mean that that one that I worked at that was at the mall here in town. That's what it is now. They take over the park at Beaver Lake and turn it into not a haunted house but a haunted park. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's really awesome, I and mean, we've been there a couple times, and it's really really cool. And um, they they take a lot of pride in it i think the only downside to it and i think it's a uh, something that a, a lot of especially volunteer haunted houses um 
have or like an issue that they have is that there are so many kids working there. Uh, like, you know, when you, when you when you see a kid dressed up as a zombie, it's like, <laughs> man. And the funny thing is, you get especially in Seattle. There's no end to the creepy homeless adults that would do it. <laughs> you could paint up any way you want for twenty bucks, <laughs> and they're creepier than anybody. Sure. You know, you see a pile of them just laying against a tree. Are they alive, dead? You don't know. They're just sitting there. They smell. They could be dead. But, you know, it's like, why, why settle for kids? You know, when you can get adults that actually look creepy with with little makeup. Yeah. Um, but I always thought a good haunted house recipe would be to get a couple of staffers on there that you just don't really know about. They're just not quite balanced. <laughs> And so, think questionable background. Uh, question, well, back. more than questionable backgrounds is just that you know have w- w- either stage or actually have something just start to lose control. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> quite knows if it's the show or not. <laughs> think about how many successful movies and TV series have come off that way, where it's like it goes on layer after layer after layer. Okay, well, no, it was staged. Oh <laughs> fuck, no, it wasn't staged. But the oh no, it wasn't staged was actually staged. <laughs> I thought, and so, so get it so deep where even the people that put it together don't know. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. That would be a true haunted house. All right. So, yeah, we've been talking here for quite a bit now. So, uh, I think uh, we. Taylor's going to be pissed. <laughs> I never liked him. Yeah, I can hear, like, I can already hear his thoughts right now. It's like, God damn it. Why do you always get your dad in here? I talk too fucking much. <laughs> Is there anybody else that can back me up when I'm not here? All right. So. Why don't we just go ahead and jump into some horror business? So, like I said, um, starting out with some real-world horror, uh, local story, as I mentioned. Uh, fucking tragic. Uh, a 40-year-old mother from, uh, I don't even know if you call it a Seattle suburb as well. Yeah, Renton, I guess would be, yeah, or maybe Bellevue, kind of on that border there. Forty-year-old um, woman, uh, mother of two, I believe. Um, she went out on a blind date with a guy that she met on a dating site. Uh, a couple days later. Oh, her, yeah, mother of three. Three. Yeah. Okay. A couple of days later, um, a garbage man found body parts in a recycling bin uh, and after some investigation the cops discovered that these body parts were of this woman um, Ingrid Line um, yeah and you know she was from Renton um, she went out on a date with uh, let's see John Charlton after they met on Plenty of Fish is the the uh, believed source of their meeting. Um, and I guess they went to the Mariner's home opener, and she mm-hmm. wasn't seen again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they found her body parts in recycling bins in the central district, central district of Seattle. Um. And yeah, I mean, this this is a big story. I mean, it's an ongoing thing. Um, there were actually separate occurrences when they found more body parts, which is just yeah. They found yeah, 
with the next day they found more in, in another set, another recycling bin yeah. some miles away and in the recycling center. Oh, they found, did they? Yeah, okay. That was, it was three or four days after the first couple of finds and they found some, some further identifying components, body parts <clears throat> in the actual recycling center. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, boy. And, this, and this guy's basically claiming that uh, he got, uh, but he got drunk and doesn't remember anything, which is a solid defense. Yeah, I, I saw something say, saying that he claimed that he is not a normal person. <laughs> Clearly, it's like, oh well, I think that's a bit of an understatement. Just a bit. Um. Yeah, uh, they they believe that she was actually killed uh, in her home in Renton. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the police found evidence that uh, say she was likely killed and uh, dismembered in her bathtub because they found blood and flesh in the drains. Um, Got the saw. Hmm? Got the saw. Did they? Okay. Yeah. I, I'm 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 trying to assemble some some old articles, so I may mm-hmm. not have all the details. Yeah, they got the saw with uh, her DNA all over it. Fuck. Yeah. Um. You know, funny, well, not funny, but a strange thing is that um, they obviously went and interviewed the parents of uh, Charlton. And um, I guess they had a restraining order against him. The parents had it against their son? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, And uh, in in a court document, they said that uh, they had taken... um, I guess maybe they were out shopping or, you know, at a, at a movie store or you know, Best Buy or something to that effect. Um, and he said uh, in 2006, they, he had gone and taken the movie Hannibal off of a shelf and uh, told his mother that she should watch it and beware. No shit. I hadn't heard all that. Yeah, that's some, this is just a article I'm just picking up here. Uh but um, no, I mean the the, the community. She was uh, seems like a, a very well liked and very uh, popular person. She was a nurse at a local hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like three kids and sounds like a lot of friends, a lot of family, and so just yeah, man. it's it's about as tragic as it gets. Yeah, yeah, she's very pretty, um, outgoing, good person by all accounts. Yeah, um, three. I think from mid-teens down to like 12-ish age or 11, 12-ish age. So they're, they're close together, but mm-hmm. three teen, you know, <clears throat> three kids at need time of their lives where they need a parent, parents more than any other time. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is as tragic as it gets. And since it is Seattle-based, what I'm gritting my teeth about on that one is now the defense for mental illness and all the uh, <clears throat> justification for this poor, insane murderer uh, doing what he did because, you know, the state didn't do enough for his mental illness. Yeah. It's like, hmm, well, he was obviously coherent enough to put his profile up on a dating site, maybe more than one. Yeah. So I don't think he was quite as helpless as uh, <clears throat> as uh, um, the... Uh, those people are going to try to lead us to believe, but there's already rumblings about that, that, uh, we, you know, the, the, the state might be res- ultimately responsible for that, for that poor woman's death. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know Taylor and I have talked a few times before on the show um, about we we've we kind of agree that if if they are a danger to the public, then they deserve to be treated like any other criminal. I mean, these are people with supposed mental illnesses, because if if they're coherent enough to be dangerous then what, why separate them from a regular murderer who's not considered insane? Preaching to the choir. I mean, I, oh, I know. I, yeah. I've got no sympathy for <clears throat> anybody who can conscientiously act like that. Uh, and if the reason behind that is the fact that they're insane or they're crazy, uh, but it manifests itself in a very uh, calculated and well-executed crime like this. Well, maybe not so well-executed because they got caught but um this was as premeditated as it gets this was not impulse yeah you know there's no way you can justify uh uh, or or write off anything that took place there as uh as 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 insanity Mm -hmm. um but you got a problem you got a problem out there and you know your generation's gonna have to deal with it i'm gonna be dead and buried by the time it reaches its zenith (laughs) zenith but there's too many people there's just too many people in the world. Um, there is, uh, and we talked about this. I have talked about this as a guest on your guest, you know, host on your show, co-host on your show. Myself is that there's too many people that my generation did a poor job of raising. So all those Gen Xers and the millennials that are coming up uh, don't have all the tools they need to deal with life. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact, life has gotten infinitely tougher than it ever was before. Yeah, the factors are all combining, and there are simply no solutions. Just continued growth, continued exacerbation of all those factors. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh, but wait, there's big pharma that's coming along and making it all better by medicating the living shit out of you people. Actually, us, all of us too. My generation too. We're not. Oh yeah. No one's immune to that. But we're not as we're, we're not the harmful ones. We're too old and feeble. <laughs> um, it's you know it's 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 you guys. It's the it's the the forties and. 20 through 40 year olds that are, that are in, I mean, your generation's in for a lot of grief before it gets better because everything has a solution in a pill bottle. Yeah. And when that solution stops working, you know, (laughs) serenity now and sanity later, (laughs) famous quote. Um, No, it's just, there's just nowhere else for, for you guys to go because you don't have the tools to, to deal with the way, with the life that's getting thrown your way. Um, so it's 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 frightening. It's very frightening. I, I fear for you guys. I fear for your kids. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that uh, this is kind of bringing to light is the kind of inherent dangers. I mean, stranger danger of like uh, of online dating, which, you know, I mean, that's how m- my wife and I met is online. I'm obviously not an insane lunatic. She's clearly not either. Um, I mean, she took uh, precautions, I guess, when we went out on our first date. Um, Bring a gun. (laughs) Well, um, I mean, she told people where she was going, who she was going to be with. Common sense stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, something that you would tell your parents if you were a kid going out with somebody they didn't know. I mean, just, yeah, like you said, common sense stuff. Um, And I, I guess the seems like 
this woman, uh, Ingrid Lane or Line, she didn't really seem to tell anybody what she was doing. At least from what I saw, I I think that's probably more common than we know about. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's still a little bit of a stigma attached to online dating, so maybe there's a, a bit of embarrassment, I guess. Well, you know, you think about that, and of course, that was not even. I mean, that wasn't even conceptualized back when, when we were dating. Um, yeah, I mean, you had the personal ads, I guess, in in the paper, but that was relative. But that was um, you're not you're talking about the difference between having to go go purchase a publication, scan it, you know, make it make a concerted effort, uh, and not just pick up your phone sitting in your chair or your office. And leaf through it. I mean, it was just it was it was something that was not as convenient as it is now, yeah. and the world wasn't quite as imbalanced True. as it is now. Uh, you know, and our parents, you know, which you know they, uh, they, they you know they go into the the barn dances or whatever the fuck the town social town social whatever the <laughs> fuck they did. Um, you know, the world was even less unbalanced then, <clears throat> but. Yeah, mom and I have talked about this. Up, in countless people in our age group, we talk about it all the time. So online dating, oh god, what a fucking disaster! What a what a what a stupid thing to do. <laughs> it's like, how's it any worse than what we did? Yeah, go fucking hit a bar and you know just just meet, talk, yeah. back home, fuck. Exactly, and it's like you know, hopefully you, you don't get killed. <laughs> you you know, back in that time, it's like you go to a, like you say, you go to a bar, you meet somebody that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. and you know you may end up going home with them. And you know, doing whatever from there, it's like that seems like it's a tad, just a hair more dangerous than you know, going out to meet somebody who's like, hopefully, picture you've actually seen on a, on an online profile, you know, maybe know some things about them uh, from any kind of biography that might be on there. You know, you might know their interests and think things like that. You know, something about the person that you're meeting, hopefully. You know, in an ideal situation, um, double-edged sword though, because the 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 I'm drawing a blank technique for lack of a better word of going into bars and meeting someone is if you are indeed a nut, you have to be polished in your in your delivery. You have to hide that. You have to over. You have to be able to to, to mask that, and hope that the person that you're moving on is so so blind or or so drunk or whatever that they don't see that you're hiding that so body english all that eye contact all that stuff was not not a perfect but a little more effective screen than online dating because you know your generation and younger are so willing to give up so much personal information yeah to social media and to these wait to these to these dating sites where any psycho can come on and know half three-fourths or, or more of what he needs to know in order to convince you that he's fine. You're, you're going out with someone you've already vetted because they 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 uh, they mastered the technique online. It's true. With all that information you provided. No, fa- no, facial, uh, no face-to-face contact, no body English. I'm not saying what we did was smart, it was a perfect world, anything. I'm not even saying it was better. I'm just saying that there were probably more opportunities to to weigh that person out. The other thing too is social media doesn't give the uh, uh, doesn't allow for the gang uh, mentality, doesn't even allow for allow for a wingman. 
It's true. So you're really on your own a lot more yeah. than when you were out. I don't know too many people that were out literally on their own in bars. Hmm. In fact, if they were, those are the ones you watch out for. Yeah. Because those are the Norman Bates that are out there. Sure. They always come you know, Women always went out in groups, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the game. That was, that was the dance. You know, you, yeah. you, 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 you pick them out, you got to compete with their friends. Um, and then, you know what, you're out with the guys, your posse or your wingmen, and you've got to be less of an asshole than they are. You know, and again, this was just the routine dance we all did. Yeah. So all that human interaction was a vetting process that that the online dating doesn't allow for. Yeah. So it's inherently more dangerous in that respect. So neither one was smart. Yeah. But then again, you know, <laughs> where, where would the human race be if you didn't take some risks in how you meet people? Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, yeah, the tragedy is just is palpable. I mean, it's 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 almost beyond comprehension. And since it was local, I mean, I'm not sure how far spread all the podcast listeners are uh, across the country. But for those that aren't local, <clears throat> this is something that uh, you just feel it in your bones. Yeah, you know, you 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 live with it every day because it just hangs. It just hangs over. That my God, this happened right in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so I suppose we should probably move on um, with some, uh, some some more real-world horror. Uh, a, uh, in Essex, England, um, a, quote, demonic goat has scared a family out of their home. Uh, Vanessa Mitchell, the owner of the home, uh, claims she was pushed over with a while pregnant uh, with her son several years ago. Um, she's had visions of dark shadows looming over her son, pools of blood, and other generally nasty events over the last few years convinced, and it convinced her that her cottage was uh, haunted. By a goat? Uh, I guess. <laughs> Just want to make sure I understood that. <laughs> um, I guess the goat is, has, is said to have been photographed on security cameras set up on the property. Um, the cottage, nicknamed <laughs> the cage, <laughs> was also part of witch hunts, um, as well as a place to uh, for plague victims to be sent to die. So, was this not on a real estate brochure or something? Do they not have the, to disclose these things? I don't know what British rules are, maybe it's... <laughs> Because I know here you, they have to tell you if somebody's been killed in your home. I think that's, that's the law, yeah. yeah. But again, this was Essex, England, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so just elements of this just don't seem to connect for me. Uh, so I know witches have familiars that are like cats, ravens, wolves, dogs. I've not heard of one who has a goat. Well, it's like uh, you didn't see the witch, did you? I did not. Okay, well, there. I mean, in that there was... A goat. A goat. That was like probably the most evil looking goat I've ever seen. Okay, it so was, is this, what's the date of the story? Is it something sub something that followed the release of that movie? I imagine this happened semi-recently, yes. Mm, okay. So there's one conclusion you could draw. However, <laughs> <laughs> that notwithstanding. Well, I mean, goats are often connected with Satan, so, I mean, or the devil. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. So, but this was not an actual f- physical goat that was seen and touched. This was a a, a vision of a goat or a, I, or a I guess. I mean, Taylor Taylor put this on here, and so I don't really know Ugh, much of the Taylor. backstory. 
usually this is something that he would like we, we try to strategize like how we lay out our news mm-hmm. uh and uh like if it's something that one of us add we try to put it in a place where we would personally talk about it mm-hmm. um and so yeah this, he would usually be talking about this and know probably more of the finer details <laughs> kind of okay because you know by and large um <clears throat> goats are pretty much the dickheads of the animal kingdom sure they just are they're fucking troublemakers yeah by nature and so i guess the dead spirit of a goat would just be that much more obnoxious fair point um <clears throat> did you about that guy i worked with uh years ago he uh had a uh these two i don't know if they were prize goats or they were they were, had some value to them i can't remember what they were they were like award winners or something and uh i guess these goats are more important to him than his kids or something <laughs> and um he had this plot this down in la he had this plot of land uh down there in the rural part and it's been so long ago i kind of forget some of the details but anyway he um was cultivating this this patch of property for some crops and things uh, i think he was out there like back before upland was was built up the way it is now i think it was out in that general area if i remember right anyway so he brings a i don't know a couple three or four yards of different you know topsoil and manure and stuff like that mm-hmm. apparently he uh, as owner of these prize goats he failed to realize goats pretty much eat anything and everything and apparently manure is a tasty little treat for them and they just ate this manure and ate it and ate it and ate it until they died they Jesus literally Christ. died with bellies full of cow shit. Um, <laughs> For fuck's sake. It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, you're owner of these prize goats. Again, they're more important than your own family, but you didn't realize that they'll just fucking eat everything in their path. Yeah. And uh, that manure is pretty much just was grass once, you know, and it's like you didn't figure that part out. I just always thought that was funny because <laughs> here's this guy that puts this emphasis on these fucking goats and it's like, if I put emphasis on something of value, I kind of read up on it and you know least, everything yeah, about it. Yeah, pretty much know everything about how to preserve it. Um, and then that, uh, the other dickhead goat story is that one that was <laughs> grandma's neighbor chewed through the rope they had it penned out there and it was ramming the side of her house. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah see, goat, she just, out there and she just beat the shit up with a broom till it ran away, but, you know, showing who's a more obnoxious grandma to go. <laughs> but yeah, just goats are just generally fuckheads of the animal kingdom. Right. Just, just fuck with you for the sake of doing it. And they're dumb as shit, too, so. I don't know if they're as dumb as they, because they, they seem pretty calculated when they, when they, when they, they do these things get off on being assholes yeah and it's like if worse cuts if, if you thwart them in every other means then they'll just fucking eat your shit <laughs> all right let's uh let's move on round till half past dawn there was 57 channels and nothing on 57 channels and nothing on 57 channels and nothing on Okay, so TNT, the channel, seems to be wanting to build some kind of like horror block of programming. Um, we've talked before, of course, about the M. Night Shyamalan's uh, reboot of the Tales from the Crypt series, which is still bothersome. <laughs> I mean, because I've, I've talked to you about this, haven't I? Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, they can't even use the original Crypt Keeper because HBO still owns it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if you remember the old Tales from the Crypt comics, there was a Crypt Keeper, but it wasn't like a skeletal 
monster figure. It was like an old man. I'll take your word for that because I'm uh, not a big comic reader. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I remember they were always there, but I, mm-hmm. my mental picture is still pretty much the Crypt Keeper. Okay. So I'll take your word for it. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of what is what I'm believing they're going to be using. And like, I mean, if you're going to have an old man, why would you make like another puppet? So it might just be a live actor, which, you know. You know, I'm not troubled by that as much as you clearly are. Um, Shyamalan is probably going to fuck it up. Oh, yeah, but, definitely. But the Crypt Keeper thing, if it's a re- truly a reboot, um, why would you rehash the old HBO thing? That was theirs. You know, make your own hit. And as long as you're staying loyal to your source material, um, or I would say loyal, if you're staying loyal to the to the source source concept, um, I, I would say let's give it a shot. See what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I just, this is something where, I, it, it, was, it was better off just being left alone. Like, we don't need a reboot tales from the crypt like especially because they can't rehash what they've already done it's like you said why i mean why why retread ground that's already been tread uh and think about think about the hbo version though i mean it was basically a um i just have this picture of uh of spielberg dante um uh Landis, um, All these Zemeckis, guys. and those guys yeah, sitting around, rangers. yeah, sitting around with their fucking cigars and their brandy and some, uh, sure. you know, in some fucking think tank, or just sitting around saying, you know, let's just, uh, I got some free time, let's write some, uh, you know, fucking cheese ball, half hour, ten minute little little uh, vignettes, and throw them together and let HBO pay us billions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, I think it was their creativeness, but I think it was um, the uh, the end cuts off the roast. Kind of thing, I, I I truly believe that a lot of those were short stories or conceptual things that didn't make it into some of their bigger productions. Again, this is me talking. I, I this is totally me. What I see is you, you see the evidence, especially with Landis and Dante directed stuff. You see that's clearly you probably don't, don't have to read the credits. You know it's their stuff, but it just seems like they're elements of something that came out of a bigger production that just didn't have another home. So they develop a little bit with with HBO, yeah. um, and you know there you have it. Now TNT, I mean, who's got fucking more money than broadcasting than Turner? Think about it. So I imagine he'll throw some good money at it. Um, and is Shyamalan just a name on it. He's not directing all these things. He's right? he's basically the showrunner. I mean, he's like okay, he's so like the EP and all that. If they go out and get some 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 talented new guys, some talented new uh, directors. Um, or, or even just get, you know, intersperse it with some of the old guys, you know, throw, throw a good anthology together. I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm all for the reboot. Let's, let's, let's start it, start it over from scratch. And the comparisons of the HBO one are obviously going to be drawn. HBO one was fun. Um, <clears throat> let's see if this one's supposed to be fun or scary or what it's supposed to be. If it's super contemporary, you know, if it takes all these social issues into account, fuck it, I won't watch more than one. Oh, you know they're going to. Then, I'm, then I'm done. I mean, I'm one and done. I won't. I won't watch it if it's just something true, scary stories about fucking monsters coming out of the water and trees coming to life and shit like that. That has no basis in anywhere but a horror book or a comic book. Fucking bring it on. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so, but these two new shows that are being added, uh, one is called Time of Death. Uh, it's going to be an anthology of season-long horror tales, uh, so similar to, like, American Horror Story, um, that uh, unfold in real time. So each episode will be, uh, or sorry, uh, yeah, each one taking viewers hour by hour through a single long night of hell. So wherever you heard that before. <laughs> Work for 24. Yeah, it worked for 24. <laughs> Can, as long as you got somebody who's killing indiscriminately, like Jack Bauer, then yeah. you got you got a hit. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess these are going to be hour-long episodes, I would assume. Um, cable shows aren't like a full order. I mean, they're not. we're not going to see 22 episodes of this. Probably more like 13, I would guess. That seems to be the magic number. I don't know. Cable shows, yeah, I, I've seen 8 and I've seen 12 and... They could be all over the map. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, this says uh, a single long night of hell. So, presumably not not a full day. So, that would lead me to believe, yeah, it's probably going to be somewhere between 6 and 12 or 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. Something else that will make it shitty is uh, if they go the CW route where the entire planet entire galaxy can be saved only by people that are 25 and younger. <laughs> beautiful and, uh, people. Yeah. Yeah, the beautiful people are 25 and younger that I'm out. Right. Um, Supernatural is about the only thing I can watch uh, on that show and that's just because it was it was fun when it, you know, what, 11 years ago? Yeah. And now you just got to see how much how much farther it can go. <laughs> <clears throat> and you have fun with it. But the rest of it, it's just hard for me to watch because it's like, come on, throw some adults in here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I... I watch Supernatural. Um, I watch Flash and Arrow. Mm. Um, and I, I watch iZombie, not as religiously, but... Um, and, you know, those are those are fun shows. You know, three out of four of them are mm. comic book based. Um, so, I mean, of course, I'm naturally attracted to that. Um, but, yeah, like the, the other shows I've got on there, like... Um, was it... Uh, Vampire Diaries and shit like that. It's like, yeah. ugh, give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, first season of Time of Death uh, is going to follow a murderer psychopath who returns to his Midwestern home hometown. This sounds familiar too. It's pretty formula. I keep going. Well, I mean, Midwestern psychopath who returns to his Midwestern hometown. I mean, like Halloween, like that. Um during the annual county fair to exact revenge on a community he believes destroyed his life. Will psychopath be that, will be conscious enough to do that? Psychopath's kind of a relative term. I guess. Look at uh, how Easton did, uh, what was his name in American Psycho? Uh, Patrick Bateman. Yeah. yeah, pretty much had his wits about him. Fair enough. Uh... First season of Time of Death will pay tribute to the slasher films of the 1980s. Uh, future seasons will be inspired by the traditions of other horror gen- subgenres. So, you want to see <laughs> this is even one episode, just some cheeseball sh- Roger Corman shit. <laughs> just throw one in there, just for just for the old timers like me. <laughs> shit that makes no goddamn sense whatsoever, but it's because yeah. you had you found something in an old. Uh, storage room that looks like a prop yeah let's use it (laughs) just dumb over the top shit pretty much yeah (laughs) uh okay uh the second show creatures uh about a sophisticated 
sophisticated or it's a sophisticated Christ sophisticated psychological thriller that tells the disturbing tale of two former best friends who at 12 years old tried to cut out their classmates heart as a sacrifice to an internet boogeyman that he invented called Mr. Gorgie. Okay. That's art imitating real life. Okay. Um, there was, I don't know if you heard about this, but you're familiar with Slender Man. Slender Man. It was an internet thing that was completely fabricated. It's a a, a, a tall, thin male figure with basically a white stocking for a head. Mm-mm. Yeah, he wears a black suit. Really? Yeah. Um, like the Babadook. Yeah, he he's basically like a like this this boogeyman, but he's like completely fabricated. I mean, there's there's a history tracing back to his creation on a website called Creepypasta, which that was their thing. Like they made like they created myths. Really? Yeah. Um, and uh, two girls attempted to murder their classmate as a sacrifice to Slenderman. What were we talking about about 20 minutes ago, about the next generation is just not balanced? And yeah. Well, they threw the book at these girls. Yeah. They tried them as adults. Excellent. Yeah. So. How long ago is this? Oh, this is probably better part of a year ago. Okay, so fairly recent. Yeah. I'm surprised I missed it. Yeah. Uh, got a, a Michigan, I think, happened. Um. So, yeah, like I said, life life imitating art or vice versa, I guess. Um. Fifteen years later, the two young women have been released from a psychiatric institute into their small town in Alaska. But it's not long before they start to feel the alluring and terrifying presence of Mr. Gorgie once again. Creatures is a story of deep friendship and dark obsession, where a vivid imagination meets the power of suggestion and the seduction of belief. That seems like it has some merit to it. That's going to be so script-dependent. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, actor dependent. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You, know, you get away with a couple of uh, unknowns, but you better put something in there who's got some uh, some horsepower yeah. to carry it. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's you, you got to have two women that can really sell that psychological damage. Mm-hmm. Like make, make you believe that they're actually psychotic. I don't know that'll be as difficult to find. I think that is pretty much captured in a lot of movies um but you've got to uh wow i'm gonna really get deep here you gotta juxtapose that with something some normality in there and it can't just be the sheriff that's trying to track him down or yeah. the psychiatrist that's trying to help him or that you know that textbook routine bullshit you gotta have something that's uh um uh hell have a have a another criminal in there who who they're moving in on his territory you mm-hmm. have something that's that, that's that's based in some degree of, of normalcy to offset to, to to give the viewers a comparison just how nuts they really are. Yeah. Without that, lacking that, then it's just they'll spiral out of control until it just gets boring. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like you said, you know, having maybe another killer. Um, it's kind of uh, familiar when you think about uh, Dexter. Yeah. Um, you know day to day you know he, he, that show I don't I don't think you ever watched it right I have seen it I know I wasn't okay. faithful to it at all but it followed kind of the Whedon-esque mm-hmm. um, s- standard where you've got like this main big bad bad guy 
throughout the season. Um, and, you know, until, like, their final buildup and, and ultimately, like, I mean, Dexter obviously killing this other killer, um, you don't really see how insane Dexter actually is. I mean, you kind of see him as a, a, a weird but normal guy. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the later seasons when he has, like, a wife and a, a kid. And, you know, he starts dating and, like, and he starts, mm-hmm. like, he starts meeting people that are more out of their heads than he is. It kind of detracts away from, you know, what made the show good to start with. Um, anyway. But by the other same token, or Jurassic Park is a good example of what I was talking about. The first one, I, the first, you know, the first one was was so novel. I mean, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Second one, everybody, you know, thought it was shit. And that's just because the original cast needed to stay together one more time, and it didn't. And your um, leading man was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, swing and a miss. But <laughs> <clears throat> but the thing is, those first couple of movies, the the that's what I'm looking for, kind of like a wonderlust was still there. It was still fascinating because the unbelievability of what was going on by the whole rest of the world. Mm-hmm. scientific community the media whoever it was it's like here are these fucking dinosaurs they're right here look at them they're right here but no I don't believe it you know yeah. so that gave the dynamic that made it all kind of work by the time the, the last one came out Jurassic World it's like okay everybody accepts there's dinosaurs they recreated dinosaurs and now they got a big old park you know and it's just like the whole world accepts okay well, there's dinosaurs you just gotta pay enough money to go to the place where they are and go see them yeah. it's not fun anymore because there's not that uh, conflict yeah. so if you're going to do something about psychotic killers that are the stars of the movie or stars of the show you know, you've know, you got to be able to bounce that against some form of conflict mm-hmm. other than just the you know, oh, it's aberrant what they're doing I mean, hell, you can make it a comedy if you have the right writers you know, about psychotic killers and think about it probably been done but if you want to make it truly horrific got to have it grounded in something that's reality and that person or that character or that part of the that part of the story's got to be really really strong yeah that's that's how i see it then then you got a winner yeah uh okay so let's uh let's go ahead and move on here So I know this is a story you probably don't really give a shit about, but uh, we know that uh, Twin Peaks is coming back. Oh, God, I'm bored. <laughs> oh, no. um, expecting uh, to premiere sometime early next year. Um, but uh, the show recently wrapped up production in L.A. Uh, they were um, obviously they filmed a lot of stuff up here, um, which was different from the original run if i'm if i understand correctly i think they did a lot of the exteriors up here like the double r and i mean they had a lot of shots of the uh nisqually falls but most of it was actually filmed in la um and it seems like they actually did film a good deal up here this time around Um, here canada here really yeah um they actually went out to tweed's diner in uh, North Bend and actually like made it up to look like the double R. Um, and I, th- I think they left it that way too. Really? Yeah. 
Um, anyway, uh, a Twitter account called uh, Gopher Locations. Um, uh, they are an account. They, they report on filming locations around the L.A. area. So if a TV show is filming at Union Station, they'll say, oh, well, this show is filming at Union Station between these hours today. So go there and get in the way? I guess. Okay. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. I guess if you want to go see, you know, stand behind the barrier and see mm-hmm. some of your favorite stars or something, I don't know. Um, but they sent out a tweet that says that said uh, Twin Peaks has almost wrapped it up its first two seasons of location filming in Los Angeles. About two to three more weeks to go. That replaced a deleted tweet uh, that said Twin Peaks is wrapping up its first two seasons filming on stage. Uh, here in Los Angeles the next few weeks. Yes, first two seasons. So this is kind of uh, a revelation, you know, some new news, because we were led to believe that there was just going to be one season and there wasn't any further discussion about more seasons beyond that. Um, but we do know that uh, they it was originally like... 10 episodes I think like a 10 episode order uh, and they expanded that to 18 so kind of leads one to believe that maybe they'll split those 18 episodes into two separate seasons what network is it? it's Showtime that they usually have 8 to 10 week or 8 to 10 episode runs on their so their 9 episodes would be sounds, about, sounds right. about right yeah and actually running them back to back smart I think that's smart I mean Jackson <clears throat> Jackson did it with uh Lord of the Rings and Zemeckis did it with Back to the Future and that seems to be smart because the Matrix you get to, movies yeah Matrix well they sucked well, yeah. <laughs> yep. but no I mean the, this for the symmetry and the, the momentum and stuff I think yeah. if you've got the budget I think that's smart yeah definitely yeah and I mean this is after some animosity of course because uh, Showtime wasn't prepared to give Lynch the money that he felt that he needed to make you know, to do the show justice. And so he actually bailed on the show for a while. And uh, it wasn't until, like, there was a huge outcry of fans and the stars of the show saying, you know, you got to bring Lynch back. Imagine and negotiating with creepy David Lynch. That'd be so weird. I, mean, I just... Just having a conversation with yeah, him. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd want to do it through, like, a, like a plexiglass with holes in it. <laughs> that guy's just fucking weird. He is weird. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the first or maybe only season, we don't really know for sure yet. There hasn't been an official announcement, um, is going to premiere on Showtime. Like I said, sometime in the first half of 2017. So yeah, I never, I never liked the original, um, but, uh, which is odd because I usually like David Lynch stuff. Um. But I mean, he's not a he's not a hundred percent in my book. He's got winners, and he's, his winners are really good, and his losers, in my mind, really suck. <laughs> and I thought Twin Twin Peaks was was terrible. But um, is this a reboot or is this a continuation? Follow continuation, really? Okay. Yeah, all the original guys are coming back. Then um, <laughs> I'm <are> working away. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, even um, uh, fuck, what's his name? Guy that played Cooper. I'm so terrible at remembering names. 
I, all I can remember is uh, Kyle McLaughlin. That's the one. Kyle okay. McLaughlin. Yeah. He yeah. He's not doing anything. Yeah. I think the most recent thing he was on was like How I Met Your Mother, the captain. Yeah. Deborah Foreman, wasn't she in it? Uh, Scream Queen from the 80s. I think she was. Was she in it? I wanna, maybe, uh, I'm, maybe I'm. I don't know putting the wrong face on the character. Anyway, like I said, I never really followed it. But they tried to bring that concept back uh, <clears throat> on HBO, I want to say. This is 16, I want to say, eight years ago. No, no longer ago. Maybe about 10 years ago. A show called Carnival. Okay. Um, it was awful. It was, But it was that surrealistic. It wasn't Lynch, but it was Lynch-esque. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it just flopped. It was terrible. So I'm just not sure that the... <clears throat> Any more than the most dedicated crowd is is really going to be is really going to watch it, um, but you know Showtime is almost like Fox. They'll put dog shit on and just keep running. That Penny Dreadful is dreadful. That's the worst <laughs> show I think Showtime has ever produced. I haven't been able to watch it consistently enough to really it's base awful. an opinion. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's disjointed. It's it's boring. It's it's everything negative, and it's just not. No, I won't get into it. It's, that's not what we're supposed to hear. That's we're doing here today, but um, it's just an example of, of just crap show that they'll just run and run and run. And this one may be great. I mean, I don't know, but I just it'll it'll be given its fair due because Showtime rarely drops anything. Mm-hmm. Well, they put enough money into it; they're not going to just yeah. tank it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I know uh, Taylor and I are both excited for this. Um, it's funny because Twin Peaks was so before your time. It really was, and I—I I, I mean, honestly, I didn't really get into it until a few years ago. Yeah, let me see if anybody my generation should be excited about that. Oh, I'm sure there are. I guess plenty. so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm one of the minority that didn't care for it. ABC originally, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the fact that all the originals are—I mean, yeah, Kyle MacLachlan, um, uh, Sherilyn Fenn, um, Fat Sherilyn Fenn. Fat <laughs> She was all thin and hot back when she did. She, we saw her at Crypticon. She doesn't look too bad. I mean, she looks her age, but she looks. I didn't. always oh, with you guys last year. No, you okay. weren't. Uh, we got our um, panel schedule, by the way. Nice. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll probably get more updates about this as time goes on, since there's still plenty of time until the premiere. So, we will keep you up to date in the future. Seems like every time we have you on the show that we've got some Stephen King news for you to discuss. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why that is. <laughs> could that be coincidence? Or could it be that they've basically taken every piece of his work to <laughs> adapt lately? Most of which um, shouldn't have been adapted. But uh, yeah. Next on the roster, something that's actually already been adapted, but they're kind of expanding on it further. Uh, Spike TV has uh, put in a 10-episode order of The Mist. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this. Yeah. I don't know. I love uh, the story. Love the movie. It, the, Not thrilled the, about this. The story was a, a novella. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the fact that they could expand that into an entire movie was pretty impressive, I thought. But to expand it on even further and make it a series? I mean... To what end? I mean... Yeah. It's... <clears throat> the movie the story had a beginning, a middle, and an end. There was just not, I mean, the movie did a 
really, really good job mm-hmm. of taking. I mean, you know, we've again we talked about this before, and when I've been on this sh- on your show and other episodes, is the best Stephen King driven or, or originated screenplays were from his short stories, Shawshank, Stand by Me. Um, you know, they they are all short stories, and 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 The Mist. Excuse me, um, Running Man, which I know a lot of people think that was schmaltzy, but as movie. That was, adaptations I did not know ago. that was Stephen King. Hmm? I didn't know that was Stephen King. It was King. Richard Bachman. He wrote under a pen name for a while. Oh, okay. Well, that's <clears> probably but, why then. Um, but short story again. So uh, there's a... Um, I mean, there's there's a pattern there. <laughs> Somebody somewhere has to take a look at that. Yeah. But on this one, that's kind of going a different direction. But this one is... You know, you, you, you had the movie. This is not a serial. The, the story doesn't lend itself to a serial telling of the tale. Unless you're going to embellish it with a bunch of shit that isn't in there, and unfortunately Stephen King's allowing that, and yeah. I don't know why he's doing that. Um, it's 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 fr- well, you know the guy's seventy, so fuck. Could be Is he that old? I think he's pretty. If he's not there, he's pretty close. Jesus. And he's you know he might be losing his marble eye. Who fucking knows? <clears throat> he's got to be kind of a damaged mind that writes that shit in the first place. <laughs> think about it. But he uh, 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 but yeah, but I mean he doesn't need the money. And if unless he was going to say, okay, I'm going to give all this profit from this adaptation, all the money it makes, I'm going to give to you know, I don't know, fucking plant life or something, you know, some. Well, I think he just has a really big appreciation for film, because I mean, have you heard of his his Dollar Baby, uh, program initiative, whatever? Yes, I have. Okay, so I mean, just for anybody else that hasn't heard of it, basically, what Stephen King he's got. A mass amount of short stories. He's got probably more short stories than he has novels. Um, and for one dollar, he will allow uh, an independent director to adapt his novellas. Oh, this is not what I thought Dollar Baby was. So, oh, continue. Um, yeah, for one dollar, he will allow he will uh, give the rights to adapt his short stories. Um, and they're obviously usually made into short films, um, and they're usually direct adaptations, I think. Um, and you know, they, they vary in quality, but like, but like, like I said, I mean, I think he just has an appreciation for film and art in general. So I think that's probably why he's allowing so many of these things to happen. Like you said, he doesn't need the money. So Mm -hmm. that's okay. If it's, if it's all for the, you know, uh, uh, growth and benefit of the arts knock stuff out mm-hmm. because art should be privately funded not government taxpayer funded yeah in the first place so i'm all for that but um the purist in me is just wondering why they're i have no 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 problem with spike i have tv i have no uh <clears throat> problem with another attempt at a stephen king adaptation it's just this one was already done really pretty well yeah just let it go yeah i mean you got you know frank darabont and you know you can't really fuck with that. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a. I just finished his last anthology book. Bizarre. Uh, uh, bizarre uh, of something, right? Yeah, bizarre of uh, dreams. My, my, bizarre of bad dreams, or something like that. Something to yeah. that effect. Oh yeah. my god! It's like, did you really write this crap? Really? Oh, it's they're bad. That's Everyone, sad. You know, yeah, I mean, there's there's two or three out of the fourteen or fifteen that are in there that are palatable, but it's like, dude, why did you even publish these? 
I mean, you wrote them and you put them aside for a reason. You should have kept it. There is one in there, though. And if anybody's listening, it's it's a Stephen King fan. It's called Blockade Billy. Good little story. That actually got published in a in a in a standalone novella. Um, that actually, I th- it was paperback. I think it was paperback, but it was you know a little hundred and twenty page or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, three four hour read. <clears throat> and um, good little story. It would make a cool little movie, especially since it hasn't been done already. Mm-hmm. But The Mist is one that when I first read that short story, I thought, what a bitching story. Yeah. What a fucking great movie that would make. And it did. Let it go. <laughs> Leave it alone. Uh, which was that from Skeleton Crew? That, I believe Skeleton Crew, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many of his adaptations, because he just keeps signing off on things. Like, I mean, like 11-22-63, that was so drastically different from the book. God, come on, man. However, an upside to that for commercialization purposes was it kept someone like mom engaged in a story she would never pick up the book and read. That's fair, yeah. So. Um, But, I mean, like, uh, in contrast, like, uh, uh, Kristen, my wife, you know, she would... It's hard to get her to be interested in a lot of things that I'm interested in. Um, she's been reading, or I should say, listening to a lot of Stephen King lately because I kind of talked her into it. Um, but she went through eleven twenty two sixty three, like the actual novel, um, and she was trying trying to watch the the miniseries at the same time. And she's like, "This is so different. Why did they change it?" <laughs> it's like I know. <clears throat> Well, you know, you can't put on a screen. Everything is in a book. Everybody knows that. Well, especially one that's like, I mean, like the audio book was like 48 hours long. Yeah. You know, and you're going to sit there and give, uh, you know, uh, 80 pages of detail into someone's personality or someone's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do that in a movie, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they, they obviously, mm, I mean, like in, in the book, he goes back to 1958. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah, he basically has to wait around for five years. Right. In the series, it was he went back to 1960. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they just you know cut little things out like that. But when you add all of them together, it's 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 a lot of missing information. So. Yeah, but it, it made for a miniseries that anybody could sit down and watch, and you didn't have to even know Stephen King wrote it. True. And the truth of the matter is, I'll watch The Mist when it comes out. Oh know, yeah. Even though I disagree with it, I'll watch it, and I'll probably bitch about it, but I'll watch it, and that's. Yeah, you know that's what they're after. So. I, I, I mean, I can't, I won't give up on him. I mean, like, I mean, our our next story here is another Stephen King related one. But, um, anyway, I guess I should talk about this actual story here. Um, the pilot was ordered and uh, was reported in February. Uh, since then, obviously, the order's been expanded to ten episodes. Um, it's going to begin production in summer for uh, a 2017 premiere. Don't know exactly when yet. Uh, the Weinstein Company, uh, in with their Dimension brand, is producing... Uh, executive producer is a guy named Christian Torp. Never heard of him. Uh, I looked into him, and his entire roster, or his entire like resume, is a bunch of Danish shows. Not who I'm thinking of, then. Hmm? I was going to say that name sounded familiar, but it's not who I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guarantee you haven't heard of this guy. So I don't know where they found him. 
Starbucks. <laughs> um, Sharon Levy, uh, the VP of original series at uh, Spike, said, From the brilliant mind of Stephen King and the incredible production team at TWC Dimension TV, The Mist will take audiences on a thrilling ride through a small town grappling with a mysterious and shocking horror. Kristen Torp and the entire team at TWC Dimension TV have crafted the framework for a compelling and distinctive series that will resonate with Spike's expanding audience. So it sounds like a lot of smoke being blown up our asses. <laughs> it pretty much does. Spike's expanding audience. I didn't know Spike TV was on TV anymore. Uh, I know the, ex- <laughs> the audience has probably shrunk dramatically because I know Comcast cut it out of their... Uh, was it digital preferred whatever package I have they yeah. cut it out so I have to pay the extra 10 bucks a month if I want to get it back I mean I get a lot of other yeah. channels with yeah, it, I get but it but I don't I don't know that it's in my dish package either I mean it might be but I mean okay so how are you going to do a even a 10 week series with this I mean if it's on spike I think you're not kidding about this that they're going to what make sure that it's Plenty of scenes with MMA cage fighting and shit in there, that, that, you know, interspersed in there. This sounds like it's going to just be rife with social commentary, and it's not going to be about the horror. It's going to be about you know, about just I'll, I'll just suffice it to say, social commentary. You know what I'm talking about? That, that I just abhor in these and yeah. anything uh, that's supposed to be entertainment. Well, it's gonna. I mean, there was a lot of social commentary in the, even the movie. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, you've got this group of people in an isolated area where they really can't escape. And then you start to have, uh, you know, dissension and, you know, the religious zealots start to pop up. And, you know, you have all these real world situations all spring up in this isolated group of, you know, a dozen people. So, I mean, there was that kind of thing going on. But my question is, how are they going to do that in a 10-episode series? I mean, the whole point of, uh, of the, uh, the story was that it's these, this group of people trapped in this store. Mm-hmm. Are you going to keep them trapped in the store for 10 episodes? That's what it sounds. It would seem so. Or they're going to let them, you know, let the, the few uh, of the bold ones, you know, make that escape. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a whole secondary story about what they encounter. That's going to turn into The Walking Dead? Something like that, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, the movie, the whole the, the religious zealotry, you know, basically, to me, it wasn't as much social commentary. It's just another depiction of, okay, now who are the true monsters here? The monsters or the, the people that became monsters? True. Out of, you know, fear and stupidity. Yeah. So you're right. I, okay, there was some social... Yeah, I guess, I guess. But, I mean, you know, there's going to... Um, uh, I, there's going to be too much character buildup. There's going to have to be to support 10 episodes. or Yeah. Many, it's, it's, there's going to be way too many characters that you have to build up. So there's going to be, you know, the requisite gay couple that are going to have to be in there that have no business being in the story. There's going to have to be the, you know, the the, the racial conflict... It doesn't have to be there. It didn't exist in the movie. It didn't exist in the short story. That's all going to have to be there as part of a TV show. And it just pisses me off because you are now just taking a story that was, again, tight. The first, the major motion picture was nice and tight. Now it's just going to, I fear it's just going to get stupid. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, all right, let's go ahead and press on. So something that's been looming on the horizon for a while now is the, uh, I can't even really say remake, it's a new adaptation of uh, It. Um, it's had its issues. Um, the original director, Kerry Fukunaga, uh, bailed out because basically, um, oh god, who's the company behind this? Sorry, I don't know who, what studio is doing this, I forget. Um, but yeah, the fucker wanted to incorporate his own childhood into the story. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about you. Yeah. Um, and I guess the studio just didn't. Uh, I mean, they, they say, say creative differences, and I think there were some budgetary issues or something. Maybe that was... Uh, Maybe that was uh, disproven. I, I don't recall. It's been a while. But um, uh, Andrew Machetti, who's the director of Mama, which sucked, uh, is on it now. Um, and so it sounds like uh, they're actually going to start filming this summer, which is kind of surprising because, as far as we know, there haven't been any real developments, unless they're basically picking up the old production and getting that moving again. I was going to say, you can always, I'd never heard of the Machete director. I mean, what's his name? Andrew Machete. Never heard of him. Um, I figured I'd go after like Rennie Harlan or somebody else who picks up sloppy seconds. <laughs> um, in which case, they would just pick up the production and run with it. But um, <clears throat> um, uh, Let's see. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time staying excited about this because of all the, all the delays. and. Well, it's like, I mean, they... they cast that Will Poulter guy yeah. as Pennywise and like, oh come on <laughs> um, there's exactly one million of better people you could be right <laughs> I mean no, no I mean nobody's gonna top Tim Curry no can't do it yeah that's that that's like the pinnacle and so I mean I guess it's the, the just a, an ongoing thing it's like if you can't make something better then why do it again? I mean, if, if you've already got a product out there that is superior, unless, I mean, unless it's like uh, a Walmart brand of something. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I thought the TV version of it was a Walmart brand. Tim Curry killed it, no question. Sure. You can't extract that element and put it into a better movie, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, because the movie was terrible. Uh, and it's like, it's, you just, you gotta be, you gotta be all in to take a movie of that breadth and, and, uh, and that, that, well, breadth and depth and try to film it. Well, it's yeah. another, like, it's just like eleven twenty two sixty three. I mean, like you, that you, you limited that to, was it two, two hour movies or was it four episodes of an hour or something? The, you mean? Yeah. No, it was two, two times two hours. Okay. You can't, like you said, I mean, a, a book of that detail, I mean, like that, that length and detail that went into that book, and s there's so much of it so important, 
that how you, how can you eliminate any of that and, and make it fit into four hours? You can't because what drew those, for those of you that under, that have ever read the story or you know the story, what drew those kids together is what made them able to fight Pennywise in the first, fight Pennywise in the first place. That's, and, and the, 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 the TV movie so superficially touched on what made those kids what they were. They yeah. were damaged. They were broken, broken people, damaged goods. Yeah, the only one they even really uh, somewhat captured was Beverly, with just the abusive father. But aside from that, I mean, and uh, maybe Eddie a little bit. Yeah, but just way, way, way too little. I mean, the um, Stan, the sheer terror that that guy experienced, mm-hmm. and he kills himself, and and he does in the, as an adult in the in the in the TV movie. But it's it's like, oh shit. He pussied out and killed himself. No, man, you're talking about a guy who was, who who was petrified, s- petrified, scared beyond any any human uh, r- rationality. You can't capture. They didn't capture that. I'm saying you can't. They didn't. The stand did a little better job, but you know what the difference was? It was longer. Yeah, they made a longer. They made, actually made a miniseries out of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that started to scratch the surface of what they had to do with another epic novel, <clears throat> but. You know, the whole thing is like, if you can't get it right, don't fucking waste the time doing it because you'll just make another mess. Yeah. Out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been like, let's see, uh, who said this? Uh, the producer of the movie, Roy Lee, uh, said, uh, Gary Doberman wrote most the most recent draft working with director Andy Muschietti. Uh, so it's being envisioned as two movies. So, I mean, that's a good start. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you can't make one movie about it. Yeah. Now, what they're tar- trying to do, for, at least from my understanding, is that they're separating the, the 1958 and the 1985. Mm-hmm. And you can't. I mean, that that's why the story worked. You, you All those flashbacks. It was hard to follow at times, but I, th- I think you can't separate them. You have to have... You have to have these situations present themselves, and then you have to have an explanation of why. And I think those have to follow each other. I think you, I don't think you can make two separate movies um, with different time frames. Well, when you say two separate movies, if they're released a year apart, yeah, you're right. But if it's if it's I mean, I'm going to pull this out of my ass. If it's a two week miniseries, I know it never would be. Let's just say for sake it is week one is all about 1958. Week two is all about 1985, 27 years later. I'd have no problem with that because the references back to what occurred in 58 can be can be made to explain why 1985 is happening the way it is. Same way in the 1958 part, you can go refer to the 19, what, 27 or whatever it is, 27 years earlier. You don't have to go back and show it. Just make references back to it that explain why 1958 they're a little smarter than they were back in 27, mm-hmm. but not smart enough. In 85, again, a little smarter than they were, but are they smart enough? Yeah. I, I, I would be okay with that. The thing is, you can't do it. You can't put the entire, in my opinion, don't put the entire uh, uh, first part, first phase in an hour or two, in a second phase in an hour or two. Make it a fucking miniseries. You know, you got to go in for at least, it's got to be at least eight to ten hours oh yeah easily you know and, I mean, and, 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 and if they do that then I think 
I would argue with you. They, they probably could do it, but I don't. I don't know who these people are. I mean, I don't know if they've got the skills to. It's all in screenwriting, you know. Yes, I, I mean, I'm not familiar with Gary Doberman, so. Um. Let's see. Uh, Roy Lee continued saying, uh, "It is very close to the source material in one way, but very different if you look at it as a literary piece of work." Uh, we are taking it and making the movie from the point of view of the kids and then making another movie from the point of view of the adults that could potentially be then cut together like the novel. But it's going to be a really fun way of making this movie. If they're going to shoot it in two different phases and then edit it together, that might not be bad. Is that what I, I think that's what I just heard, is that they're going to shoot the entire kids' sequence and then shoot the entire adult sequence. Oh, and then maybe edit yeah, it post. Okay. Yeah, that that I think would work. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like kind of a if if I was making a movie with significant references from two different time periods, then yeah, I think that'd probably be the way I did it, just practically say speaking. Mm-hmm. So. It doesn't seem like it's that revolutionary. Of a, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how out of sequence movies are shot in the first place. I mean, I'm, I'm I, 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 meaning I don't know. Not I don't know how they're done. I don't know how out of sequence a movie is when it's filmed. I, I have no idea what the criteria is for mm. for the sequence in in shooting a movie. So I, you know, it's not shot in linear order from scene one to scene, you know, yeah, two hundred or whatever it is. They shoot them all out of sequence, and I'm not sure what the criteria is. So this is probably no different in in my mind. It's no different. Yeah, I mean, like you know, our, our uh, Taylor and I made our last uh, Halloween short. We shot the middle first, just yeah. because we knew that was the most time consuming part, and then we shot the beginning and the very end last. So, um, anyway, uh, I've heard things saying like there's not going to be. I don't remember what quote this is, and it, and it may have been an old quote, but something like somebody saying uh, there aren't going to be werewolves and mummies, but it's going to be fun. It's like, but there are werewolves and mummies in the book. Why would you take those out? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but you know what? This is one of the things I've been. How long we've been hearing about this now for five years? Uh, I mean, it's it's something that's been bouncing around. Something that's been seriously talked about for probably about a year or no, a year it's and been a half. Than that. Well, I mean, this oh, version. Oh, this of version it. of it. Okay. <clears throat> um, anyway. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, when it starts, when it goes into production, then I'll I'll get excited. Yeah, uh, it's going to be shooting in Toronto, uh, in uh, from June twenty seventh through September sixth, uh, and I I. I have to assume it's going to take place in Derry. I mean, yeah, it has to. Yeah. Well, I think the thing was, is like the, the Carrie Fukunaga version was take, going to take place in like Boston. I mean, I don't know why, you know, why would you do that? I know. Um, anyway, uh, the release date is, I guess this is a, an update here. A release date is uh, September 8th, 19 or 2017. So that's soon. Huh? Apparently. Well, I'm gonna shoot two movies and that seems aggressive a but. year. So, uh, okay, um, we should do a poll for uh, the listeners to see who who they would vote for. Pennywise. 
All right, now for some remains. Um, Walking Dead Season 7 is going to introduce the kingdom. Uh, followers of the uh, comic series know that that's the kingdom is like, um, it's kind of a refuge um, where the main characters eventually end up. Um, I don't follow it as closely as some people, so I'm not entirely sure where, what the current status is of the kingdom. Uh, is in the sto- in the series right now, um, but uh, two characters from the kingdom are in, of course, in the finale of The Walking Dead. You remember those guys that showed up on horses and they were wearing like like bike gear. Oh yeah, yeah. They're from the kingdom. Okay. Uh, it's a friendly community run community run by a character Ezekiel, uh, and Ezekiel has a fucking Bengal tiger as a pet. Uh, named Shiva. He's uh, a black guy with dreads. He's a friendly old man. Um, the uh, Walking Dead comic Instagram account uh, posted Happy National Pet Day. Uh, don't worry, Walking Dead show fans. You'll get to meet Ezekiel and Shiva soon enough. Uh, then the post was deleted. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody obviously didn't get the okay for that one. <clears throat> um but you know, it's funny these things happen, and they, um, you know, they, they make posts just like the thing about Twin Peaks too. Like, like they deleted a post and replaced it with something that was a little less revealing. Mm-hmm. But it's like these things are it's the internet. It's there forever. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> can't do it. Um, not that you have to say anything, but as the comic book, Walking Dead comic book person, do you know who Negan killed? Oh, in the comic, it's Glenn. Oh, okay. You're but I mean, it. okay, so. Yeah, it's it's pretty well known that oh, okay. he kills Glenn, um, but the fact that they're dancing around it in the series it kind of raises an eyebrow. So nobody's really sure who it was. And you know, I mean, uh, there are certain characters in the show that are long dead in the comics, like Carol. Mm-hmm. Carol died pretty early on. So nobody really knows. We're all hoping for Carl, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, probably not. Uh, okay. Uh, the Fear of the Walking Dead got a third season for some fucking reason. Uh, have you been watching it at all? Yeah, it's still bad. It's not. It's pretty slow. Damn. It's pretty slow. I still like Taylor. I talked about it before. She's like, we don't give a shit about any of the characters, and that's the principal problem with that show. You're pretty much right. Um, I uh, I if if I don't know now that the season two started, the first what two episodes have been on. Yeah. I keep wondering why that black dude doesn't just jump on his fucking boat and take off. Yeah. Just drag their asses because every fucking one of them is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, what Dave Erickson and Robert Kirkman have invented in Fear the Walking Dead is to be applauded. Watching Los Angeles crumble through the eyes of our characters and seeing each make decisions and try to figure out the rules of their new world. It's fresh, eerie, and compelling, and we're all in for the ride, said Charlie Collier president of AMC Sundance TV and AMC Studios. Uh, as Victor Strand observed, the only way to survive a mad world is to embrace the madness. Um, we thank millions of fans embracing this mad world and look forward to sailing far in the future. That's like, Walking Dead such a powerhouse. This, I mean, even if it sucks, it's never going to get canceled. I mean, obviously it just got renewed for another season and the, the second one just started, so... Mm. I don't know. I tend to think it. I tend to think it's not going to have much of a lifespan. I mean, yeah, renewed for the third season, great. But 
<clears throat> I just and once it catches up with Walking Dead, and like, yeah. you got an East Coast and West Coast version. What's the point? Yeah, I mean, like this all happened within this, like the beginning of the outbreak to the till when the Walking Dead started it was a span of well, like six months, yeah, something like that. <laughs> anyway, um, now if it goes in the direction of how the infection started. And starts going into the, the 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 rationale of how it you know I mean Rick woke up into it yeah still no explanation how it happened CDC didn't give any explanation if you remember right back in season two three, four two or whatever whatever one it was. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so I, I I assume that this Fear of the Walking Dead will go into how this started to begin with and I, I kind of hope they don't though because that just that takes away from the 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 mystique I guess. I mean, go back to the movie. I mean, the original movie. You just movie. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Day of the Dead, the zombie movie. The oh, oh, Night of the Living Dead. Night, I'm sorry, God, Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. You can blame everything on nuclear testing. Well, even in that, <laughs> even in that, they didn't. They they kind of toyed with you. They made you toyed think with, it was yeah. like a crash satellite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was radiation, you know, a, a, a toxin leak somewhere, mm-hmm. something like that. But they never actually told you. Yeah, uh, and and um, that's just it. They left it to you, you speculate on all this new age space race stuff and yeah. more stuff and mm-hmm. was scary to everybody. That's just Romero's thing. He's a social uh, commentator. Commentator. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I, I mean, that I, my point is, I'm not saying that, saying that's where it should go. I'm saying that's all I can see. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead. That's all place I can see it realistically going is suppose. more explanation of how it occurred and. Maybe some West Coast effort to stop it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I just, you're right. None of the characters are endearing and yeah. <clears throat> you keep hoping they all get eaten. Yeah. Even like, uh, was it uh, Cliff? Cliff Curtis. Curtis. I, I can't remember his character's name. Um, but uh, he's like the only one that's even mildly likable. Mm-hmm. And he's, even he's kind of a drip. I mean. But. They're all boring. Yeah. Um but uh, it's a full 16 episodes, so maybe full, I mean, actually maybe even a longer season than, so that's that's longer than The Walking Dead, if I miss. Uh, it's eight and eight, isn't it? Is that how they do in their seasons? Eight with a break and then eight more? I could have sworn Walking Dead was 13, but I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Uh, anyway. Uh, the next Underworld movie is, of course, on the horizon. Um, the sub- The subtitle of the movie was changed from the generic and awful next generation <laughs> to blood wars which is a little better uh kate beckinsales uh returning as celine um nom, nom. i wonder if she still looks good in that cat suit dude who doesn't look good in a fucking cat suit i could probably think of you <laughs> um uh release date set for october 14th uh this year i would assume um, no plot de- details. Well, that's not true. I've heard details. I can't remember any of them, but I know what they are. Or I know that I've heard them. Uh, but I mean, presumably this is going to be about Celine and her daughter, I would assume. Um, yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, they're making another insidious movie. <laughs> um, it's titled. Now, wait. Insidious, the next chapter. That would be chapter four. (laughs) 
Um, that last count. <laughs> Shouldn't say this chapter four. That's that's the title. Um, I liked one. I thought, or I liked Insidious. I liked two. But go ahead. I got no problem with the third one. We'll wrap it up now. You know, finish it up. The third one was. <laughs> no, the third one was no, it was not great. But it's like make the third one. I'm fine. I'll watch it. But wrap it up. You're done with the. You're done with this now. Yeah. Don't don't go saw on us and. <clears throat> uh, let's see, well, Lee Wanell told we got this covered um, last year. He said uh, I haven't really thought about it yet, but for the purposes of this interview, I'll say that I'd like to explore the time between the f- this film, which was the third movie at the time, uh, and the first film. Which kind that of was second that was kind of second movie, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the whole area there where Elise has rediscovered her gift. Uh, I think you could have a lot of adventures before she arrives. So I think there's a lot of room there. A lot of room there. We've kind of established that Lynn, was Lynn Shea, mm-hmm. uh, in this particular film as kind of a superhero. So that would be kind of interesting to explore in the other films. I guess I could see a little bit of merit to that, but the movies are still just so lame. <laughs> Uh, and last thing, as uh, Jason Statham is signed on to the fucking dumb, dumb sounding movie, uh, Meg, which is based on a, um, Steve Alton, Steve Alton. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the title or I forgot the author, but, um, yeah. Uh, Steve Alton book. And like, I mean, this is the same guy that wrote, uh, fucking, um, uh, Domain. Dominion or Domain? Domain and Prophecy and <clears throat> these fucking genius books that are just relished by millions of people around the world and he wrote a book about a fucking shark. Series. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. series. Yeah. yeah, three or four books. Um <laughs> and they sound like they get progressively dumber. Um Have you have you two, read them? No. Oh, okay. I've only read the synopses of a couple of them. And um he goes into some really interesting detail in his books and <clears throat> he is a master of uh, of taking three nuggets of fact like in, you know paleo 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 anthological fact and mixing it with you know eight parts of horse shit and making it so believable that you cannot tell the the, the, the seam seamless between what's fact and what's what's made up like the whole thing about a fucking enormous shark coming out of the Mariana Trench. Yeah, please. They've they've already found uh, uh, not necessarily Mariana Trench, but no, they, there's there's new species turning up that they thought were extinct millions ago, but millions of years like ago. Coming this up. big, hmm? they're like this big. No, they're 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 bull sharks and things that have come up. That, you know, uh, strains strains of of still existing animals that they thought died off. No, that's happening all the time. That that's believable, but something that I, I believe this Meg has almost got like a humanistic mind mm-hmm. seeks revenge and stuff. That's where it gets a little you know sci- a little silly and science fictiony. But <clears throat> I've you know the Domain trilogy were some of the best books I've ever read. I've told you that before. I mean, yeah, it's just fucking brilliant books. Um, and uh, I read one that was really a schmaltzy sci-fi book that has no no other uh, uh it's not a serial it's a standalone novel um 
uh, about just a, a, a scientist who, due to an accident, is in suspended animation for like over a million years. And he wakes up to the new world that's evolved. And the whole book is about all this insane evolution that took place um, and how this earth is just insanely different. It's complete science fiction stuff like paperback pulp novels. Yeah. And I read it. It was kind of, it was a fun read. But it's just like, wow, this is the same guy that wrote Domain. So my point is that this guy could probably write whatever he sits down and chooses to write. And Meg, Meg is far and away his best-selling series. But I think, I think as a writer, the guy's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'll watch it. I don't hate Statham. I'll, uh, he's all right. Yeah, he's all right for but, you know what he does. But yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I'll yeah because it's Steve Alton. I'll. It's a miniseries or a movie? Uh, it's a movie. No, yeah, I'll see it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Deadline's reporting that he's in negotiations to star the adaptation of Meg. Um, uh, Warner Brothers is moving forward uh, in conjunction with a China base with China based Gravity to make the movie. Um, Meg is about an attempt to kill a giant shark, killing swimmers along the China coast. They realize that it's the Megalodon, which is considered one of the largest and most powerful predators in history, which can reach a maximum length of sixty feet. And see, that's the thing. It's like this thing came from the, the Mariana Trench, which is the deepest point in the mm-hmm. ocean, uh, and like we we can't even build things that can go that deep without imploding <laughs> like we can't send up a, a, a pod made of military grade steel down there because it would crush under the pressure of the water and a 60 foot shark can live there um <laughs> well you have to understand evolution i mean who would have thought that people could live in this smoggy dirty shitty air that you know 200 years ago would have Revolutionary War. If I couldn't live with those kind of toxins in the air, we adapt. But in the book, if I'm not mistaken, this thing was like twice the size of a blue whale. It wasn't 60 feet. I think it was like 160 feet. Mm. It was just like, you know, just the size of a, of a, of a yacht. <clears throat> so I think it's, you know, the movie adaptation is going to take some liberties in that respect. And, I'm just, you know, state them. What's he going to do? Just like karate chop this thing? Or? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, he's like, not the strongest actor, so I don't. No, it's like so he's got to use wit and uh, and guile and uh, and science. So, yeah, huh? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's being dr- <laughs> it's being directed by John Turtletob, uh because Eli Roth said, uh, "No, I'm not doing this." <laughs> That's not an Eli Roth story. Well, I mean, Eli Roth has kind of been, he's on strike two, basically. But, I mean, this would have been strike three, I think. Because I'm fucking done with these monster shark fucking movies. This isn't fucking Sharknado. <laughs> it's like, that's not the story, dude. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good story. <laughs> Trust me. But, um, yeah, it, and a good story can still make a shitty movie. I get that. Yeah. All right, so that's it for uh, Horror Business. Um, no interview this week. I think we had one in the works, but some scheduling conflicts came up, so uh, we didn't get that done. I think we're working on it for maybe next episode or the following one. I'm not sure. Taylor's <clears throat> kind of the one that keeps track of that. So um, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into our reviews. So Robert England told you to go fuck yourself? and yeah. You call that a scheduling error? Yeah. Okay. 
okay, so got two movies, uh, like usual. Um, since Taylor's not here to pick, uh, I think I'll just go ahead and say we'll start with the movie Darling. Is it true what they say about this place? Oh, old ghost stories. But the caretaker threw herself off the upstairs balcony. Ma'am, there's one room that I can't get into. Don't concern yourself with that room, dear. Am I clear? Yes, ma'am. Waiting for anybody? I was waiting for you. They have got to tell you this kind of thing before you move in, right? That it's haunted? It's true. Okay, so Darling is a movie that came out, I think, originally last year, um, but I think it's got its it's like uh, its full release, you might say, um, just recently, like last week, I think. Um, it's uh, directed and written and produced by Mickey Keating, and also um, by uh, Larry Fessenden and Sean Fowler, who I believe were God, who are they? producers on shit I can't remember never mind um, so I mean basically this movie is about a girl presumably named Darling we don't really know if that's actually her name or not that's just how she's referred to in the movie by Sean Young who's apparently still a thing <laughs> okay um <clears throat> But uh, Darling, she uh, takes a job as a, as a kind of a caretaker or, you know, just house sitter at a, a nice brownstone in New York. Um, I'm seeing this referred to as a mansion, but it wasn't a mansion. It was, it was, a, it was a, kind of like a penthouse type. It was a brownstone, but it was sort of a, a nicer brownstone. Yeah, it was. Um. Yeah, I couldn't really pick up on exactly where in New York this might have been. I mean, looked like it was right downtown. I mean, yeah, maybe. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Sean Young is she's the owner of this place. Um. She's the movie starts out. She's kind of briefing Darling on the. I mean the, the the rules of the house, um, like how what she wants done, how she wants the place kept, also kind of reveals to her the background of the house that a former the last caretaker yeah uh 
she just lost her damn mind and jumped off the balcony on the roof. Um, and that wasn't really elaborated on. But, yeah. It was not. <laughs> um, and because, you know, Darling, she's kind of left alone for so long. And, I mean, there's so much silence in this movie. Um, and it's just it, there. There's there's so little dialogue, and um, I mean, it, 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 she she kind of starts going slowly insane. I mean, she or mm-hmm. maybe she was already insane. I don't know, but uh, she starts having these crazy visions of being attacked. Um. And then she meets the guy who's attacking her in the in the visions, and I, I don't really know. Like it's it's kind of hard to follow. It's very disjointed. Yeah, it's um. <clears throat> I've never been a big fan of uh, gothic horror, mm-hmm. and this is a <clears throat> pretty clearly an American attempt at gothic, in my opinion. Sure. Um, and uh, oh man, wafer thin storyline. Um, that. The the writer director uh, clearly was struggling to try to. Well, he maybe thought I don't know what was going through his mind, but the uh, the the final product was like he was struggling to actually get it into a comprehensive story. Um, well, I mean this this was clearly a very artsy movie. Yeah, and, and I'm personally of the the mindset that art has no place in horror. <laughs> well, it got a it went off on its. You know, graphic tangent for a brief time, mm-hmm. but um, it uh, <clears throat> yeah, it just moved so slow. There was no uh, no soliloquy in there to kind of take all those solo scenes and make sense of them. You just have to basically determine on your own, I guess, that she's losing her mind. Yeah. Um, and I still don't know what the hell the deal was with the guy in there. It was this? Who was he really? I mean, his name kept changing on his license. I'm yeah, and that's like, like <laughs> that's like it was hard to tell. It's like is she, like is she becoming insane or was she already insane? That's just it. Yeah. Um, so I, before we get uh, any further, Taylor sent in his own review. So why don't we go ahead and give that a listen? Hey guys, what's up? Uh, this is Taylor of Terror. These call-in reviews are always kind of weird because I'm just talking to myself and I don't get to have the back and forth conversation uh, kind of walk through the movie with someone else I'm just sitting here talking to myself but anyways uh, I just watched the movie Darling written and directed by Mickey Keating and uh, this movie is interesting Uh, stylistically it is artsy as fuck Um, it's black and white and the movie starts out and says this movie contains flashing lights and hallucinog- uh, hallucinogenic imagery, and boy does it ever. There's just random flickering lights for no apparent reason at parts. There's uh, images that just flash real quick on the screen, and yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's really artistically stylized. At one point, the entire film is upside down. Um, I don't really know what the point of that was, but um, 
it seems like Keating took a lot of inspiration from Hitchcock, uh, Kubrick, and more than anything, Roman Polanski. Uh, I get a lot of Rosemary's Baby kind of feel from this movie. Uh, also, The Shining kind of the the synopsis itself is kind of similar to The Shining a little bit. Uh, also, a, a little bit of Psycho, but uh, the the story itself is a little thin. Um, a good deal of the movie is centered on this one character who is this girl. Um, I, I guess her name is Darling, uh, played by Lauren Ashley Carter, who is a good actress. She, she does well at it, and I'm not saying that she can't carry a movie by herself. I just feel like the problem is more in the story itself, that there's not enough going on to fill these, these long spaces and so you've got these long moments of no dialogue. Sorry, Tony. But uh, just like moments of introspection, I guess you would say. But that's not to say that the movie's all bad or that it's boring. It does draw you in at points. You, you, you get invested in it. However, the movie is split up into these six different chapters. And it feels like it kind of pulls you in, and then that chapter ends. And a new chapter starts, and all of a sudden you're, you're somewhere else. And so you have to wait for closure to that last chapter, and you got to kind of come back around to it. So that kind of takes you out of it, because once you start to get invested, then all of a sudden you're not there anymore, and you gotta, you got to figure it out, and you have to get reinvested into the thing that you were already invested in once. However, I do think that um, it's, it's a very interesting movie to watch, and I think the acting is done well. I think Lauren Ashley Carter did a, a great job of carrying these kind of three personas. She's got this, this sweet and innocent girl, and then there's like this dark and troubled person, and then there's just this absolute psycho. And I think she does well with each one individually. And, and being able to transition, I think she, she does well as well. Well as well. Um, the story kind of makes you think a lot because there's kind of these dueling stories. And you're kind of wondering, is this a haunted house story or is this a serial killer story? And it kind of reminds me of American Psycho in that you don't really know if what's happening is, is even real, really. But at the same time, it's like you don't know why it's happening. Again, there's this haunted house story. So it's like, is she possessed or is she just psychotic? And even at the end, it doesn't even really get wrapped up. And it's, But it's not in a way where it's annoying and you feel like it's a giant plot hole. It's more in a way where you're, you're supposed to keep guessing. Just like American Psycho. You're not supposed to know. And so in that way, it's, it's successful. Uh, I do think this movie is worth a watch. I don't know if I would watch it again. If I did, I feel like it would probably have to be a few years down the road when maybe like I forget what it's about, what it, when what happens. But I definitely think it's worth a watch now. It's out on VOD. It's not very expensive. It's under ten bucks. Um, I think it's I think it's worth a watch. I'm gonna give it a five. Just just kind of 
middle of the road. Um, it's kind of weird not knowing what Tony thinks until I guess until I listen to the episode. Uh, so yeah, I'm listening along with you guys and finding out what he thinks for the first time. So can't wait to hear it. Uh, good luck with the rest of the episode guys. I'll talk to you later. It's kind of interesting to me that he doesn't know what I already think. Or he doesn't already know what I think. <clears throat> he was being very kind. Yeah. I mean, he knows that I hate this arty bullshit. He knows that I can't fucking stand movies that, like, horror. There, there's a place for this kind of shit. It's uh, in drama. It's in, um, uh, you know, Maybe sometimes like dark comedies. I don't think this kind of like uh, David Lynch type shit has any place in horror. Um, yeah, this um, <clears throat> the girl uh, <clears throat> Laura Ashley. I mean, she did fine with the material she had. Um, the script I think was written on maybe two sides of a of a sheet off a yellow pad um it uh um yeah there was just no depth to it and uh again it was it was successful in in generating what i mentioned earlier kind of a gothic feel to it but much like uh think of one to compare it to uh dracula the gary oldman movie uh that was another one. Tons of substance to it. Just had depth. It just went on and on and on. Um, and I understand budgets are different. And and, <clears throat> and this was made on probably a much more shoestring budget. But it uh, it just lacked any real depth. It just seemed like it was a... Uh, it comes off as sort of a, of a college project sort of movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and, and so I, I'm just not... Uh, I didn't I didn't care for it. Um I uh, um, I would uh, probably conflict with uh, Taylor a little bit, and in, in, in I'd agree that you know if it's his, this this writer director's maiden voyage, uh, it could have gone much worse. It wasn't horrible, but it was, in my opinion, not really enjoyable. Um, I uh, I don't know that I'd recommend uh, uh, a viewing of it unless it's convenient and it's free. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but, um, you know, if it was my work and if it was my best effort and a, and a first crack, uh, I would, uh, you know, I would want, you know, I, I don't think it would be fair if, if I, if it, someone ripped it and I'm not really ripping it. I'm just saying it wasn't a very good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, art aside, like I can, I can look past that. Like I'm, I'm not a shallow film critic um as as much as i may present myself as that way but it's like i can look past the art the unnecessary artistic element of it it's but basically like you said it has very little substance and i mean there's not any point to what's going on i mean it's like what story are you trying to tell here i mean it's like taylor said there's basically three different characters she's playing yeah and it's like you know i you know in in doing that, you probably want to create some kind of mystery as like who she actually is, but it's like, I don't give a shit. I mean, there's not that big of a difference between any of these three versions. 
and you're not you're not drawing me in you're not creating you're not validating your story at all mm-hmm. you know for many for for viewers and um and observers uh the journey you know is uh, a movie is is all about uh, the journey you know the elements of how you get there and if that's the case then this one's all about journey um i tend to be more superficial than that i like i like the end game yeah i want to be i want to be just knocked out of my chair on the end game Mm -hmm. um i'm flexible on it i've seen you know more shitty ending movies than i can count but um I would not go off and say, wow, that was a shitty movie. I'd say that was a interesting movie with a shitty ending. This is one where uh, if you're into the journey, and Taylor did a good job of, uh, of elaborating on what the journey is like. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fair. It's, it's, it's a good journey. But uh, the, uh, the destination is just a complete crash. Yeah. The, uh, and there, there was so much. There, the movie left you like hanging on so many different things. It's like there's this one thing that um, there's an element of the film that kind of recurs. Uh, You know, Darling, she discovers that she has access to pretty much everywhere in the house except for this one room at the end of a hall. What the hell's in the room? Yeah. And like. That pissed me off. When she screamed and I was like, oh, fuck, what's in the room? Yeah. Still waiting. Yeah. (laughs) Still waiting. Um. Yeah, that, I mean that was a disappointment. I mean, it's, I, I'm kind of like you, and maybe this is where I got it. It's like I want—I don't want to be left hanging like that. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the—I f- want to know what's in the box, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just like I felt like so many things were left unfinished in this. Um, I, I did pick up on like you know Taylor cited a lot of. Uh, different directors styles mm-hmm. i did pick up on a few of those at different points mm-hmm. uh i think kubrick and uh hitchcock mostly mm-hmm. i did get a few psycho moments um especially in, in that hallway with the door at the end that was that seemed very hitchcock to me because mm-hmm. it was so plain and simple and it, it looked like a set it didn't look like a house and that was kind of like I don't know. That's that's something that rings Hitchcock to me. Yeah, I would have seen, uh, and I agree. I think I think you're right. Uh, you you and Taylor are both right. There were elements. Uh, you could. My guess is that this writer director is probably a fan. Oh, of, no doubt. Of, of those particular directors, that's great. You know, mimic mimic uh, mimic what you not mimic, but uh, pay tribute to what you love. I get that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then I would have rather seen less Kubrick and more Friedkin. Sure. Yeah. Uh, as an example, um, uh, you know, not everything is a James Cameron, you know, J.J. Abrams caliber story. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a tale of that magnitude because mm-hmm. those those come along every so often, and that's what makes those great. Is someone who can just tell the shit out of a story. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be that way. <clears throat> but I've said this before, doing this show uh, with you guys, is that uh, you know I don't want to have to necessarily go think. I gotta think all day. I gotta think all day every day. I don't go fucking movie and think. I want to be just fucking wowed. I want to be just just yeah. bamboozled, and I want a surprise ending. In fact, when uh, my best friend Wayne, we were growing up today. If we went to a movie tomorrow, he would do this. He would sit there and just you could just feel the heat coming off him while he's trying to figure out how something's gonna end. <laughs> and you know, and it's like shut the fuck up. I don't want. I I, I want to be surprised. Yeah. 
you know, and, and yeah, I could probably grind my gears and figure out how it's going to end too. I don't want to, yeah. I want to be told a story that I just paid my $13 for, you know? So, and this one was, was, uh, um, was one where, again, using that terminology I used before, those, <clears throat> that style is, it's all about the journey and just letting, dropping these little bird crumbs for you to kind of yeah. put together as you see fit. And it's like, bah, not for me. Yeah. The thing was, is like, you know, you, you talk about when, how many have some kind of element of surprise at the end. Uh, this had none. Like, you basically knew how this was going to end almost from the beginning of the movie. It kind of looked, yeah. I, I would have to agree you when you were 15, 20 minutes into it, you kind of had a feeling that this was going to be uh, going nowhere. But when you cracked that door open, it's like, good, this is going to wrap everything up. It's all going to come. Everything's going to be explained. Mm-hmm. And nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I would have been satisfied if it was an empty room that in her mind was something horrible. Yeah. But it, you didn't even get to see. You didn't get to see what she saw. Yeah. You know, screaming her head off about. It's like, pff, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's, I guess that's a, a tad bit of a spoiler, but it doesn't really give away a whole lot. Or maybe it does. I don't know. Sorry, like, sorry listeners. I wasn't <laughs> thinking about that. I was, good. I was good in the moment. <laughs> um, but, uh, could edit that part out. <laughs> this story, uh, I mean, if you don't have a lot of story, like you said, uh, then you have to make that up with substance. And, you know, vice versa. If you don't have a lot of substance, substance you got to have story. Uh, and, uh, meaning if, if, if it's a very detailed movie with a lot of, um, you know, dialogue, a lot of character development, then having, you know, characters that stay in one room through the whole the whole movie, that works. But if you have no dialogue and a char- one character staying in the same place for an entire movie, it, there's nothing to grab onto. It's like drinking a glass of water. <laughs> well, you know, if you wanted to mim- uh, use the word mimic incorrectly, if you wanted to pay tribute to and and uh, and and write and direct in the in the in the image of a of a director that did that well, you should have followed something like uh, Zemeckis with Castaway. Ninety percent of that movie is one person in a fucking volleyball. Yeah, and <clears throat> it told a tale. I mean, uh, I, 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 I use again a James Cameron or. Abrams quality tale because the actor was, you know, just superior, but the script was good. Uh, the, uh, um, the use of a very limited set. Think about it. Yeah. was good. Um, maybe, maybe that's the kind of, uh, of, uh, <clears throat> momentum, not momentum, but that kind of, a uh, trail he should have followed if he was going to have a, what is effectively a single character, Build up, mm-hmm. um, and uh, an execution like that. Yeah. In other words, it can't be done. It can't be done, and it's been done well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this just wasn't done. Think well. of um, that movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, that one with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, is it buried? Buried. Yeah. Yeah. Good example. The entire thing takes place in a fucking coffin or mm-hmm. you know a, a box, and you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good exactly. example. It yeah. can be done. It's just it was not done well mm-hmm. in yeah. this. It was not executed. 
but I would, uh, we're, you know, for instance, where Taylor said, you know, uh, you'd rec, you know, see it, may not see it again. He wouldn't necessarily watch it again, at least not for another couple of years. I wouldn't watch it again. I didn't like it the first time, but that does not exclude this director from, you know, contention. I'd give him another shot. I'd look at his next one to Maybe. see where it, see where it goes. No, I would. I'd give him a shot because well, <clears throat> he, uh, you know, he, he, Maybe he's not a writer. Could be, you know, because I mean, maybe he's just not a writer. And I mean, the uh, the visuals were good. You, you know, he, uh, he even as black and white, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, um, the visuals were were good. The uh, the the mood was whatever the mood was supposed to be, I guess. But the mood was I, I refer again as kind of like a gothic mood. It was set well. Um, so I mean, I think there's potential there with this guy. It just didn't come out in this movie. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wish I hadn't paid for this. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I was watching it. Thinking, Man, I'm glad Tony paid for this, not me. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was like, what was it? Like seven bucks I paid for it, I think. I was like, ah, I could have done, I could have bought a coffee with that. <laughs> and write it off as a business expense for your production company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just. That, that, that's like the, the the tragedy of this show. It's like <laughs> watch so many shitty movies and like I regret paying for a lot of them. And just... <clears throat> I keep giving referrals to good movies that are on Showtime or are on uh, yeah Epics or Showtime or Netflix, and you just don't want to watch them. I gotta keep up with the times. And <laughs> what do you mean keep up with the times? You can't be watching movies that are like ten years old. But if they're good and you haven't watched them yet, <laughs> that's what our October Ramas. Or four. Um, anyway. So, uh, anything else to say on this? No, I think we pretty much ran this one on the ground. Okay, so what do you think uh, out of ten? Three. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'll probably split you and Taylor and say four. And this is not something I would ever watch again. But I, I I understand that there's a lot of people out there that are less superficial, <laughs> to, to use your term, um, than I am, and that really appreciate the the arty movies. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this would probably appeal greater to them. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll say four. So we got an average of four. Yeah. All right. So moving on is a new movie that just came out again I think last week if I'm not mistaken um, it's an anthology movie by a handful of different directors it's called Holidays I'm sorry we're closed oh no 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 I, I called about the sorry pal Holidays are hell I'm scared shh Time to close your eyes and go to sleep. Someone's coming tonight. Valentine's Day. 
Christmas Eve, I'm out of time. Um, so th- this is one that we've we've talked about on the show before and we were kind of anticipating it, mainly because Kevin Smith was directing one of the segments. And, you know, Taylor and I have kind of a, a love-hate relationship with Kevin Smith. I've, I've, I've witnessed that. Yeah. Like, we we, we we like his movies. We, we like him as a director, but we have so much contempt for him as a person. <laughs> 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 we just think he's a total piece of shit. Um, but we can't stop seeing his movies um but anyway so like i said uh this is a brand new movie just came out um let's see uh released on on demand on april 15th so yeah brand new um and uh got a limited theatrical release um bunch of directors um that uh you know some of them are familiar names like uh kevin kolsch who directed Starry Eyes. Um, who else? Uh, I mean, Kevin Smith, obviously. And, uh, sorry. Should I hum or something while you're uh, singing a song while you're looking at these up? Uh, Gary Shore, who, uh, he directed Dracula Untold, which, you know, is not something he should be proud of. But, uh, anyway, uh, so Anthology, Covers a handful of different holidays throughout this um, throughout the year in in chronological order too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you start with Valentine's Day and you end with New Year's Eve, and you've got uh, you know four or five of them in between. Um, starting out with Valentine's Day, which was written and directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmire. Um, basically, Valentine's Day. Um, I think it was probably the most arty of all of them, I'd say. Think so? I think. Well, maybe maybe not. I think there might be another one that was maybe a little more so. But uh, this was definitely one of the more artistic ones. And, I mean, that was definitely not, not – I didn't know ahead of time except for the Halloween one who directed all of these. And they showed, like – the production cards after the shorts mm-hmm. were over. When I saw, I saw Kevin Kolsch, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense because this was very, I mean, now that I know, it was very familiar of Starry Eyes. Yeah. Uh, I had that same kind of uh, feel to it. Um, basically, there's a, a girl whose name I don't recall. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot to keep track of in this one. This yeah, is my, you got what seven, eight different stories going on in there? Yeah, this, this is why I hate doing anthologies on this show because it's like we got to keep track of all of them. Um, <clears throat> actually, okay, so yeah, yeah. Taylor also sent in reviews for each one of for, these. So for we'll, each of the segments he sent in a review. They're not like full length ones. Oh, and they're they're just text. So I'll just read through them as we go through each story. Um, but uh, yeah, this is you know a, a girl in high school uh, who's just. Teased relentlessly for no 
particular reason other than high school girls are assholes. <laughs> um, and she's got some obsession with her swim coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically snaps eventually. I mean, I, it, it, these stories are so short, but I don't want to spoil them at the same time. So it's, yeah, obviously, it's going to be hard to talk to the your, to the listeners without giving too many spoilers. It's a it's a Carrie esque kind of scenario. Yeah, uh, where the outcast girl is sort of picked upon by the swim team. Um, she's got a crush on the swim coach. Coach is about to do the pretty girl in the swim team if he hasn't already, mm-hmm. but he's got a bad ticker. <clears throat> and um, and uh, that combined with uh, I guess his own crumbling relationship and this girl being just mercilessly picked on, I think he kind of starts seeing the error of his ways and starts to kind of see have a fondness for the outcast girl, not as a not in a sexual way, but just as a protector, yeah, kind of way. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> the the pretty girl decides to retaliate, and you don't retaliate with a fucked up psychotic. No, it uh, doesn't usually work out. Outcast well for girl, you. yeah, it doesn't end well. Um, so uh, okay, so I'll just I'll start out with Taylor's here. Uh, I said, uh, <laughs> "Hey, homies." <laughs> uh, as I write this, I'm about thirty thousand miles above the. 30,000 feet. <laughs> no, Taylor. 30,000 miles, I think you'd be pretty much ships out of moon. Yeah. Uh, above the post-apocalyptic wasteland known as Detroit. <laughs> and I just finished watching Holidays. I really dug the opening credits and the music made me think of Disaster Piece's amazing soundtrack for It Follows. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the segment started. Let's go down the list. So Valentine's Day. Uh, he said, this one's from the makers of Starry Eyes, and I picked up on that right away. So like I said, um, while the story isn't anything similar, it's stylistically very recogniz- recognizable. The end to this is one... The end of this one is pretty predictable about a third of the way through, but a fun little bit, and I had to stop myself from laughing out loud when that ferret-faced skis... When that ferret-faced skis took a digger into the mud <laughs> fuck that bitch um i i have to assume he meant that like the the ending was predictable but not the means necessarily fair enough yeah i because I, 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 probably I mean, all three of us would agree to that yeah <clears throat> i mean i definitely saw how it was, yeah what was eventually going to happen from a mile away mm-hmm. the way that it happened i didn't see that coming mm-hmm. now um so, for what was twenty minute segment, <clears throat> maybe if that, I'd if say. that, yeah, it, it was pretty rich. It, it it had its beginning, middle, and end, and yeah, it was done effectively. I love anthologies, and and <clears throat> I mean, I'm I am so forgiving on on, the, on anthologies because if one segment out of you know eight or twelve is good, I'm all in. Uh, so I'm I'm uh, I go in with. Um, I don't want to say high expectations, but I go in already knowing that I'm going to 99% chance I'm going to like the anthology movie, even if it turns out to be shit. And I'm going to find some elements in there that I'm going to be, you know, uh, uh, <clears throat> um, 
generous, overly generous on. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what it is. I just I just like the the quick hits, the diversity of the the, the 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 directing styles and the screenwriting styles. I just I just like it all. And this one was was was, was not a disappointment mm-hmm. across the board. You know, the, all the stories weren't solid. Yeah, this one was. The Valentine's Day was pretty solid. It's pretty good. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, overall, I thought uh, it, when I saw the Valentine's Day sequence. You know, and how it wrapped up, it's like, yeah, it's gonna be a good movie. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think maybe Taylor would probably agree with me on this, because he and I are such big fans of Trick or Treat. I think we hold hold that kind of up on a pedestal, and we co- we compare anthologies to that, mm-hmm. like, like I do it unconsciously. So when when I watch an anthology, it's like I I hold it to that standard. And I know it's hard to meet because, in my opinion, uh, Trick or Treat was done in a way that was perfect. Like, that kind of anthology where all the stories weave so perfectly together. Mm-hmm. It was almost like the stories were, were like in a, one big braid. Yeah, it's, um, good. it's a good one. Yeah, and yeah. so I think I hold most anthologies to that standard. And it's, it's hard to meet, admittedly, mm-hmm. and I try to keep that in mind. Um but uh, I mean, this one did a fair job. I mean, they're all completely separate stories, though. Yeah, like a um, uh, end to end or end to end. Uh, God, uh, fun size horror one and two. You seen either one of those? <clears throat> I don't think so. No. Yeah, yeah. They're I think they're. I don't know if they're on Hulu or Netflix. One of them, anyway. Mm. Yeah, they're just little shorties, anywhere from five to twenty minutes, and uh, totally unrelated, and. Uh, um, half of them are shitty half of them are actually pretty good mm-hmm. bunch of B levels at best uh, Karen Gilliam is the one that comes to mind and I just watched uh, uh, rewatched uh, Fun Size Horror 1 here a few weeks ago and uh, <clears throat> you know that's, that's I think the biggest name in there mm. so kind of get put in perspective of who's in these things Yeah, but yeah unrelated um, ABC's of Death 1 and 2 Awesome. I love those movies. I like the second one. The first one was kind of shit. <laughs> uh, they're just, they're just the brilliance of what you did with five minutes and, and and nothing else. No basis except a letter of the alphabet. Yeah. I thought those were just awesome. So anyway, like I said, I'm uh, <clears throat> this movie was going to have to be so awful for me to give it anything negative, and it, it, it didn't disappoint. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so the next one was St. Patrick's Day. This was weird. <laughs> Out of all of them, this was the dumbest. It was story. It was there. not good. It was just silly. It was just a silly. Uh... I mean, this is the one that was directed by Gary Shore, who I said, like I said, was the director of Dracula and Told. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonally and story-wise, very different. Um, but. Uh, Basically, there's a, a it's, it takes place in Ireland. Gary Shores, a, mm-hmm. an Irishman, so um, takes place in Ireland. Uh, the story centers around a, a teacher uh, at a primary school. Um, she gets, I guess, a new student, mm-hmm. some creepy little ginger girl, uh, and um, missing was pink eyes on that kid, right? Yeah. God, what a weird-looking kid. Damn it. 
Um, and, you know, it centers around uh, St. Patrick's Day, obviously. And there starts out there kind of telling the story of St. Patrick, how he, how he rid Ireland of snakes. And I think there was like some, they, they mentioned that like, can't, any, can't find any history of there ever being snakes in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And that they think that snakes were probably, or snakes were probably a substitute for children. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they kind of touch on that lore a little bit. Uh, and some some weird shit just starts to happen, centering seemingly around this weird little ginger. Well, the teacher's barren, right? She she was that it. I can't didn't... have kids, or she lost one, or something. She there was something that I I'm drawing a blank now, but she was <clears throat> something related to her having lost or could not have babies. That could be the case. I don't yeah. quite remember, but and so I think that somehow there's a tie to why that's why she's a teacher. Right? I just got that impression. Okay, yeah, maybe. Um, and she she suddenly realizes that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and so she and see this is when it starts to get just weird she goes to the doctor and the doctor says yeah so you're you're pregnant we don't know with what yeah and she doesn't seem she she doesn't miss a step with this she doesn't bat an eye mm-hmm. she's just thrilled that she's pregnant yep. uh they said like the doctor said uh so, something like well you know how people they'll get pregnant with a child, you're pregnant with what appears to be something like a reptile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, and it, she just goes, hmm, just, really? Yeah. yeah. And she's just, she's still <laughs> thrilled and excited that she's pregnant. Uh, and apparently this becomes common knowledge to her friends and family. Um, and she receives phone calls from people say, uh, you know, you should really think about this because she's carrying it to term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every, it seems like everybody knows that something is not right with this pregnancy, that she's pregnant with some kind of reptile. Uh, and I think the, the best thing that people can say is like, you should think about this, mm-hmm. not, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's what kind of makes it a little surreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the obvious, but, uh, yeah. So, what'd you what do you think of this one? Um, it was it was the uh, the anchor dragging the rest of the movie down. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the uh, yeah the father being what's his name from Greece? Oh yeah, like she had this <laughs> she has this sexual fantasy for uh, for uh, Danny. I can't think of his name, but the character in Danny Greece. Suko. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from about that point through the end of the sequence, <clears throat> I found myself asking, "What the fuck?" But not in like a mysterious, awe-inspiring way. It was like, uh, "Why are the why they even yeah why they, they even finish this one?" Yeah, why, like why did why did he write this? Yeah, <laughs> and then the and then the, the the offspring was just like <clears throat> fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so that one, uh, yeah, they they could have picked almost any. Any other holiday and done a better job, or at least that somebody else do St. Patrick's Day was pretty silly. Yeah, I mean, rather than follow like the traditions of the holidays, like, uh, like a few of these did, um, 
it just it, it followed like the, the the mythology and the lore of it. Yeah. But you know, kind of did it in a weird way, and it was just I don't know. It was just too fucking weird. Yeah, I just chalked <laughs> it up to drunken Irish insanity. <laughs> Uh, so let's see what Taylor had to say about it. Um, okay, just a couple bullet points here. Um, first one being, the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> uh, and it says, uh, a soulless ginger inseminates her teacher with Rosemary's reptile, and then she loses her shit. There's also a cult of furries and a snake with a pompadour. I don't even know what to say about this one. You pretty much said it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he hit all the points. Pretty much. <laughs> Captured it well. Yeah, this was just a, like all, what, 10, 15 minutes of this was just a big what the fuck. Yeah. All right, uh, next up was Easter. <sighs> this one just freaked me right the fuck out. Uh, directed by Nicholas McCarthy. Let me see what he's... Uh, let's see, he directed The Pact. And At Devil's The Devil's Door. So there's that. Um, this was super weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is... I don't, I don't even know what to say about yeah, this one. I mean... Um... It 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 <laughs> it brought closure to whether Easter is about Jesus or the Easter Bunny. Right, <laughs> that was just fucked up. <laughs> the Jesus Bunny, or whatever you want to call that. Yeah, uh, basically, there's a little girl. It's the night before Easter. Mm-hmm. Her mother's trying to put her to sleep. He says, "You know, you got to go to sleep so the Easter Bunny can come." Um, and you know, the girl starts asking those typical questions that kids start to do when they get to an age. Well, it's like, well, I thought Easter was about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And her mom says, well, it is about Jesus. You know, he, he rose from the grave and, you know, uh, t- taught us about life after death. And she said, well, what does the Easter bunny have to do with it? It's like, well, and, you know, her mother's like starting to trip over her words and, you yeah. know, not really having the answers to these questions. I think most parents don't, <laughs> uh, unless you're really creative. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the girl stays up, you know, kind of like how I'm sure a lot of kids do for the Easter Bunny or mm-hmm. the Tooth Fairy or Santa, all these mystical creatures that come in the night. And instead, she's, yeah, greeted by something that appears to be a Jesus Bunny. It's a fleshy man body with a fleshy rabbit head. And a crown of thorns. A crown of thorns. And punctures in the hands. And yeah, he's got like the stigmata and stigmata stuff. Stigmata in the side and the wound in the side. It was like, oh, okay, this is just, this is just fucked up on a lot of levels. Right. <laughs> I was, like, I was, like... I hadn't watched it yet. You watched this before I did, yeah, I did, and you said that Easter was ruined forever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then, like, I didn't want to know anymore. And then when it came up, and I'm just watching it, I'm just like, huh. Yeah, and then, I mean, <laughs> so then the segment just basically just <laughs> destroys a little girl's life forever. Yeah. 
kind of just, like, mercilessly. It, it destroys Easter. Yeah, <laughs> like it ruined two, like, like whether whether or not you're you know the type that says, oh well, no, Easter's about Jesus. You know, fuck the Easter Bunny. It's like Easter is, is about Christ rising from the grave. Or if you say, well, Easter's for the kids. You know, it's for about it's about Easter bunnies or jelly beans and chocolate. It, it brings those together mm-hmm. in the most fucked up way imaginable. Pretty much, and, it's a nightmare. It ruins it ruins Easter for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah, and um, the uh, <clears throat> yeah the whole idea of Easter, the 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 icons of Easter are pretty much fucked. The little girl gets fucked. Everybody gets fucked in this. And it's yeah, like, wow, this one was just disturbing from uh, from every aspect. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Again, as horror uh, segments go, it was winter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, it wasn't too heavy-handed with any kind of uh, seriousness or even being like goofy. Like you kind of interpreted it however you wanted. I guess uh, I saw it more as goofy, mm-hmm. as kind of not necessarily lighthearted, but kind of you know just 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 goofy I, I couldn't really take it seriously but uh i thought it was funny in that just like this bunny man creature that was supposed to be jesus <laughs> uh was just comical to me and you know i think maybe you could kind of interpret that however you wanted yeah and yeah i took it as kind of a joke but uh yeah i think i like this one it's just weird. It was, it was the weirdest of the bunch. Uh, it was it was sick. I mean, Nicholas McCarthy is a sick bastard. <laughs> was it Tyler, Taylor said? Huh? Oh, that's, that's what, that's what Taylor said. Oh no. Said? Oh, okay. Uh, here's what. Uh, let me see what Taylor said. Uh, it says, "I love that it starts out pointing at the absurdity of Easter traditions. Uh, the Easter Bunny is hilariously offensive. Uh, I guess he means the the, the Bunny Jesus." Mm-hmm. Um, the story doesn't have much depth to it, but at least he's not painfully shitting eggs for five minutes. Luchagor. That's, <laughs> that's something I got to show you. Uh, people that we've had on the show before are kind of online buddies with them. Uh, it's a production house. I mean, there's mainly like four like hitters in, in this group that they're like a little indie production house. Mm-hmm. They make uh, shorts every now and again. And they did this one for Easter that was fucked up. <laughs> I'll show it to you later if you no. remind me. Um, this was not quite on that level, but it was pretty close. Yes, this is just dis- disturbing, twisted mind. It's disturbing and a little bit of a gross out because, like I said, uh, the Easter or the Bunny Jesus had a man's body, but uh, this fleshy, hairless rabbit head. <laughs> that was all like slimy looking for some reason. <laughs> and then the other disturbing part of a, what, nine, eight-year-old girl who just, because this creature tells her to close her eyes, she closes them, <laughs> opens her mouth and lets him put something in her mouth because <laughs> he said so. It's like, oh man, this is just messed up. <laughs> it's like, this is going into quantum messed up. <laughs> Um. Okay, so next up was uh, Mother's Day, which 
That's a weird one. Direct, written and directed by Sarah Adina Smith. Who I'm not familiar with. Um, but basically, it's a story about a, a girl who gets pregnant every single time she has sex, like without fail. She tells her doctor. I mean, she's she's had. She says she has like twenty four. 20 or 24, yeah, 20 abortions. And abortions, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, she she's on the pill. She has her boyfriend or whoever wear two condoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, every time she gets pregnant. And so her doctor says, you know, you know, we've we've done everything we can. We have no explanations for you. I'm I'm sorry, but medicine just cannot explain what's happening to you. Um, the only thing I can recommend is that my sister is a, a, a naturopath mm-hmm. um, and sends her to like this c- club or a commune. Of, uh, like a health ranch kind of thing. Yeah. Like, a desert. Yeah. Um, of women who cannot conceive just a, 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 a barren or, mm-hmm. you know, women that just they can't get pregnant for whatever reason um which seems a little backwards at the time um i think they were going to i, I gathered they were going to try to find some middle ground <clears throat> so that her whatever's ailing the main character can help these other women oh well yeah that that, that's what i gathered from it is that there's she went out there ostensibly to help them and have them help her yeah that could be um so and she goes there and they basically drug her and put mm-hmm. her into like a very sedate place and yeah. like try. They're not really experimenting on her, just trying to find out exactly like what makes her tick and why what's happening to her is happening. But she's completely. Well, they're enhancing the the pregnancy. They're trying to save the pregnancy. Is what is that I gathered. It? Yeah, that's what I gather because what she's carrying is. Their ultimate goal is whatever it is she's carrying. That that's what I gathered anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a little bit of a hard time interpreting this yeah, one. I guess it was a weak one. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't very powerful. No. Like, you know, uh, didn't have the uh, the depth that some of the other ones did. Yeah, um, I felt like it. It tried to. It just didn't hit. Yeah, I mean, it's been done before. Has it? Well, well, I mean, strange giving, pregnancies, I guess. Yeah, without giving a spoiler. I mean, it's it's the, what happened and how it ended up has been done before. So. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so I'm more than a fan of this one, I take it. Uh, you know, it was, it was it was good filler stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what sold the movie overall. Um, it, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a it wasn't a deal breaker. It just yeah. it wasn't the. It was far from the strongest uh, element of the of the anthology. Yeah, and I feel like uh, the concept of Mother's Day was kind of missed. Seems mm-hmm. like most of these took the the actual holiday into into their concept. Mm-hmm. And this one didn't. At least, if if it did, it was such a minor. minor. You should almost make an argument. In fact, I got the two confused: uh, St. Patrick's Day and Mother's Day, because they're both kind of concern the same issue yeah or the same 
result. Yeah, and like I mean, like I don't recall recall exactly if this one even mentioned Mother's Day. I don't think it did. did, No. And you know, yeah, the St. Patrick's Day one kind of minimized St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously a very heavy presence of the legend of St. Patrick, but um, yeah, this one was not a. not a strong story and it kind of seemed like it was a, a dip in the story and or a dip in the movie and I felt like I was kind of spacing out yeah I was finding myself drifting yeah uh, let's see what Taylor said uh, interesting interpretation of the holiday uh, probably the scariest segment because this bitch gets knocked up every single time she has sex <laughs> I was like Taylor is Guys, just as deep as a teacup. <laughs> uh, then this cult of bear. <laughs> just fucking with the Taylor. Then this cult of barren women kidnaps her and tries to make her have some dude who looks like Jason Momoa's babies. And then the end makes no sense. But boobs. <laughs> True, boobs. I forgot boobs. There were boobs. That's right. I think that's probably when I started paying a little more attention. But when it was over. It was <laughs> I forgot the boobs quickly. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, Father's Day. Now, you know, I just talking in Darling about not really appreciating artistic things. Um, I think I might make an exception for this one. I kind of liked it. I liked it, yeah. It was, uh, it was kind of an edge of the seat yeah. sort of thing without being action-oriented. It was just... Where's this one going? Where's this one going? Yeah. You knew it was going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, the whole time though, it's like I'm thinking, all oh, this build up better fucking lead somewhere. <laughs> um, well, the uh, a difference, I'm saying the the only difference, but a difference was there was a, there was a continual narrative. Yeah. That, that, you know, while she's, you know, traipsing through that beach town, there's a, there's a narrative that's supporting what she's doing mm-hmm. without being cumbersome. Yeah. So I thought it was nice, nicely, nicely done, given the the short uh, uh, window they had to yeah. get the story established. Yeah. And so I mean, the story essentially was <clears throat> this girl was I think it was was Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she listens to a tape that her father left for her, who mm-hmm. has presumably been dead. Right? She, disappeared. He dis- disappeared. disappeared like 20 some odd years ago. Got it. Okay. Um, and uh, she begins listening to this tape and he is speaking to her present day. But even though it was recorded, you know, 10 mm-hmm. plus years ago, uh, saying that, you know, he's still alive and they can be together. He just has to follow the instructions on this tape. Um. And so she's, you know, she's listening through and telling her father, basically telling her how much he misses her and Mm -hmm. and all this. And she calls calls her. He had no choice when he ran out. He had no choice. He had to go. And she calls her mother and and leaves a voicemail with her. It says, you know, I can't believe you didn't, you didn't tell me that he was still alive. And, you know, basically bitching out her mother. Um, And then, uh, yeah, the, the. the tape her father left her says, you know, if you if you want to be together, just turn the tape over and follow the instructions. 
start of the place, the last place we uh, we spent together. Right. Yeah, flip the table over and follow the instructions. Yeah. Um, so she goes, like you said, down to a beach, um, and she puts the tape in, and you can hear all this beach atmosphere mm-hmm. in the background. You can hear seagulls and waves crashing, and you can hear a little girl in the background playing, and it's her father's voice mm-hmm. speaking both to this girl as a child and to her listening to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's a weird concept. Yeah, it's a neat little time warp all taking place in yeah. real time. Kind of reminded me a little sort of of that movie, Frequency. Mm-hmm. That element of that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, her, her father's basically speaking to her from the past through this tape, uh, instructing her where where to go, like like basically turn by turn directions, um, and also, you know, explaining to her why he left and why he couldn't come back and you know why mm-hmm. he did what he did, and just kind of leading her to this place, um, and uh, I don't know. I think I'll probably leave it there. Um. Yeah, it's uh the, the 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 concept of him making the recording twenty years ago with the clear knowledge that she'd be reading it that day or listening to it that day mm-hmm. and hopefully following those instructions because he's walking with her as a little girl yeah on the f- same footpath that he's sending her on twenty years later yeah yeah because you can hear the little girl yeah the little girl saying where are we going now daddy yeah. he goes we're going to the special place kind of thing um, and it's like. Okay, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a neat little time warp thing, all and all taking place in real time. Yeah, and um, you know it's clear this whole movie, except for the uh, St. Patrick's Day, was all shot in the south, southwest L.A. and in Arizona. I mean, I'd, I'd have to say every segment, every segment was, um, and that building that he leads her to was a really ominous, weird looking building. It, it really that, that's was not not like an old ancient you know church or something like that it's just what kind of weird building was that i thought the the uh that is a is a final scene or final set rather for this segment i thought wow they found an awesome place to do that yeah not not super contemporary but not ancient either just ominous looking Mm -hmm. yeah and like the, the, the the town that she's walking through it looks it looks like an abandoned town I mean, the, 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 it looks like nobody's lived there. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, it was, yeah, just, just, but not run down. It looked like everybody was had abandoned it. No, yeah, know. not run down necessarily, just kind of, I don't know, disheveled. <laughs> disheveled, like what you would, like a summer beach town would look uh, at, uh, you know, in, in winter. Sure. Kind of thing, you know, just, yeah, everybody has vacated. <clears throat> it hasn't gotten... The cleanup for the new season hasn't started yet. Yeah, disheveled is a good word, but it was sunny. It almost looked like a lakefront. I think almost. Yeah, I think I think it might have been a lakefront. That's what made me think it was a desert hmm. town. You know, one of the like Lake Powell or someplace like that. You know, one of those big lake. Uh, yeah, big recreational lakes. I I don't know. I didn't I didn't uh, study the credits to see where the location was, but <clears throat> it was a uh, an interesting choice of location, mm-hmm. and I thought it was it. Just they nailed it. Yeah, that building was like I don't I don't even know how you find a building like that. What what was it? It wasn't a church. It, it wasn't. It a looked like it factory. was maybe 
It looked like it was built roughly maybe in the 40s or 50s. Maybe, yeah. It had that kind of architectural look to mm-hmm. it. Um, it looked like maybe an old office building Dominate, or something. Dominated the, the corner it was sitting on. Yeah. Just, but yeah, I mean, someone... Or a bank, maybe? That'd be the kind of thing. What went through my mind is like, if you're driving around and you're just, you know, you're, you're no real goal in mind, you see that building, it's like, I could write a movie around, or I could write an entire story yeah. around that building. Mm-hmm. Not sure what it is yet, but... Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot to this. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a ton of backstory. It kind of, it was kind of a cold start a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe you picked up some of the backstory as the story was progressing. Um, and uh, strange ending. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily unpredicted or un- unpredictable. But I didn't see that coming. Something was going to happen, but I, I didn't. I didn't think it would be that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, the the salt line was kind of a giveaway. Yeah. But until that, it's like. Yeah. I didn't know that's where this was going. Um, but uh, yeah, all in all, I, I liked this one. It was mm-hmm. it was interesting. It was a very tense. Very, a lot of tension was built um, because. You just you had no idea where this was going. Yeah, it was my my favorite segment of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so let's see what Taylor thought. It looked like it was one line, so probably didn't have much to say about it. Uh, uh, let's see, Father's Day, <laughs> boring, predictable, and not even remotely scary. That's weird because he and I seem to have that. That's something I would expect me to say about this. Yeah. The, um, oh well, you know, agree to disagree. He, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I uh, can see where he'd come up with that. I don't think it was predictable. I could see where someone would say that was boring. I could see where someone would say that wasn't scary. Um, but I didn't see it as predictable. Yeah, I mean, like how it ended, I didn't see that I mean how, how could you uh, I kind of saw I mean I don't know exactly what he meant by predictable like mm-hmm. I'd, if he was here I'd have him elaborate on that um, but there were there were certain ways the story kind of unfolded that I kind of saw coming mm-hmm. certain elements of it but I think I, the story as a whole, I wouldn't call predictable. No. Um, anyway, it had an ele- it had uh, a flavor of uh, of it follows. A little bit. It, you know, it, nothing was in your face. Yeah, it was all very subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, if you're expecting uh, jump scares, things like that. It just didn't have it. But it was uh, like I said to me, it was an edge of the seat kind of thing. It's like, where's this one going? I mean, I, w- I was there when she picked up the box on the porch, and that paper was all old and wrinkled. That was something that maybe you didn't even notice, or maybe Taylor didn't notice either. Clearly, that box had been mailed 20 years ago. Mm. The paper was very... That thing had been in the, in the, in some, sitting somewhere in some post office or, mm-hmm. for a long, long time. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, no. so I like, okay, so that thing was been, you know, that thing got shipped a long time ago. And yeah. of course it got, you know, shipped when dad ran out 20 years ago. Yeah. So that, 
But anyway, but I, I uh, yeah, I'd have to disagree with him in, uh, on that one because I think this was a this was a good, clean, and uh, interesting segment. Yeah. Uh, so next we had uh, Halloween, which is of course the Kevin Smith one, <laughs> and you know the original title of this, like as far as I can remember, was called Hollow Ian, which was actually referenced briefly in the segment. It was. Yeah. Say, so where have I heard that before? It was in the segment. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I guess they. You know, I I almost wonder if these had original titles and they were later on just changed to the holiday. How's it work? But basically, um, it's it takes place in you know L.A. or Hollywood, mm-hmm. probably North Hollywood somewhere, <laughs> um, and uh, is uh, Harley Morenstein of uh, shit. God damn, I can never remember the name of the show. Epic Meal Time. That's right. It's a YouTube show where they basically make like the most fattening, <laughs> calorie packed, disgusting food that they can think of, and then they eat it. He looks like the type. Yeah. Uh, but the guy's funny as shit. Did you see Tusk? Never did. Oh, really? Okay. Well, he <laughs> he plays a, 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 border, a Canadian border guard at the airport. In that, and Jesus, he's he's in it for five minutes, and he's probably the funniest part of the movie. He's, <laughs> he's hilarious. Anyway, uh, but he runs a, a cam girl site. I'm sure everybody's probably familiar with those, just in some context. <laughs> um, and uh, he has three girls on staff, I guess you could call it, uh, played by uh, Olivia Rausch. Um, Ashley Green and Harley Quinn Smith. Now, this is why I have contempt for Kevin Smith because he's probably the only person I can think of that would cast his own daughter as a cam model. Um, Maybe Dario Argento. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good example. Um, one of those girls was Ashley Green. Yeah, and like I didn't even realize that after, until afterwards. They were all blonde, so it was hard to tell. Yeah, I, I missed that entirely. Um, so I'm pretty sure those are. Anyway, regardless, um, and is it, you know it takes place on Halloween. Um, there's these three girls living in this dumpy house, <laughs> like I said, probably somewhere in North Hollywood or somewhere. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it's 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 cuts. Back and forth between these three girls commiserating in the house about what assholes these guys on the campsites are. And then Harley in his car on the phone with potentials, like trying to get, trying to hire new cam girls to come out to LA mm-hmm. and work for him on a site. What was it? Uh, it was a Pussy Haver. It was the, that was the name of his site. That's what his shirt said. Was that what his site was called to? I don't. I, I took. I assume so. I don't think because he they, kept telling the girls it wasn't a porn site. It wasn't a porn site. It was just you know guys want to watch girls do their daily thing. Yeah, he said it was like basically FaceTime. Yeah, <laughs> it's like nothing you don't do with your boyfriend already. Um, but uh, yeah, so he comes home and basically starts 
giving these girls shit because they're sitting there watching TV and mm-hmm. not working. And they said, it's Halloween. Nobody's on. I mean, what, what do you want us to do? And he basically just taught, you know, shovels them shit for being lazy and, yeah. you know, tells them to get busy sucking his dick or something. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, um, he, uh, yeah, the tables turn a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, they, uh, they're, they're watching a cartoon about witches mm-hmm. in their cauldron and they're having a conversation about how witches work. Yeah, the power of three, which power is... Power of three, yeah. Three, there's always three witches around the kettle, around yeah. the cauldron. And that's when he comes in and starts giving a ration of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, things take a turn when they've uh, basically decided they had their fill. Yeah. And, I mean, it kind of leads you to believe that there's going to be some kind of, like, witchcraft or something mm-hmm. to, of that nature going on. And it, it doesn't happen. It stays pretty well based in reality. Um, it just it took the three of them. Together to have the guts to right. So one major thing that just troubled me with that, and you know, if you take out take out this obvious, <laughs> obvious flaw in the continuity of the of, of the script, then you know it's just more enjoyable silliness like the rest of this movie. But <laughs> that cord <laughs> is coming out of his ass. He's got a sharp knife. <laughs> Being tortured. <laughs> Never occurred to him. Just cut the cord. Yeah. <laughs> First thing went to my mind is, oh, he's going to cut the cord. And it's like. Outsmart those bitches. Yeah. Fix, those, fix their fucking asses. It's like, okay, cut the cord. Okay. They just zapped you again. Cut the fucking cord. It's like. Yeah. Cut the cord and they gave you a knife. Yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. So yeah. other, other than that little, <laughs> little troublesome <laughs> loophole. Um yeah, it was just it was just fun silliness, you know. It just, yeah, it was it was definitely the, the goofiest. Now of all, if there was going to be, for, if there for boobs to have been in this movie, it should have been in that segment. One would have thought because those three girls were pretty beautiful. And the other ones in the other segment pretty much looked like moms. <laughs> now every female that ever listens to the show is probably going to turn it off right now. <laughs> probably. Yeah, but no, it's, you we're going to lose like. One percent of our audience. <laughs> so you got three babes. It's like, okay, we just had boobs for Mother's Day. Give us, give us Halloween boobs. No Halloween boobs. Yeah, I, like you know, you got three webcam models and no boobs. Yeah, disappointing. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, so let's see. What did Taylor think? Uh, he says that uh, this was Kevin Smith's human centipede. I guess. Uh, I thought Tusk was his human centipede. That makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> um, he just wanted to be as fucked up as possible, and I guess he succeeded. Harley Quinn, his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, may finally be growing into her head. <laughs> was she Bo Peep? No, she was... She was the one that like gave the little monologue about the power of three. Got it. Okay. Because <clears throat> Kevin Smith likes to have pointless monologues, and now he likes to give them to his daughter. Um, but let's see. Uh, 
Harley Quinn may finally be growing into her head, but her acting still feels forced. Yeah, she's not a good actor. She like if she if you've seen Tusk or you haven't seen Tusk, but um, she's in that and like it's it's her and Johnny Depp's kid. They they play these convenience store clerks, and um, like Depp's kid's actually not a bad actress. I mean, she doesn't have many lines, but mm-hmm. what she does deliver is it's done well enough. Smith's kid, she's fucking bad like she is just canned ham i mean it's ridiculous so where have i heard this all before oh yeah will smith oh yeah <laughs> his kids can't act yeah definitely Maybe and he keeps just... putting them in their mo- in, in movies that he produces <sighs> okay just let him say where have i heard this yeah right. he's got smith's got another movie coming out called yoga hosers that's it's it's about those characters those three girls? No, no, no. About the ones in tu- in Tusk. Oh, okay. So we got that to look forward to. Um. Anyway, uh, let's see. Directing your daughter to be a cam girl has got to be awkward. <laughs> Speaking of Harleys, how about a pigtailed Harley Morenstein screaming, "I don't have a pussy." That's entertainment. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, this one, like I said, I have contempt for Kevin Smith as a human being, but <laughs> this was this was all right. Uh, considering it was a horror movie and the Halloween segment should have been the uh, benchmark for the movie, it, it fell short, way short of that. But it didn't, again, it, it, like with uh, <clears throat> the Mother's Day thing, it certainly didn't, you know, didn't make me want to turn away from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, it was it was it was all right for what it was. It was. Right. I mean, um, next we have a Christmas. Uh, I'm trying to remember it. Seth Green, no. right? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Seth Green plays a father who I'm sure every father on the planet has been in his position, going out last minute trying to buy the hottest toy of the season and uh huh we've all been there yeah um and like getting to the store right as the last one sold um this and this toy is like a a virtual reality viewer Mm -hmm. um that reprograms itself based on the wearer like it shows you like, like, I don't know if it's like your desires or what it's supposed it, to be. It's not entirely clear, and how it does that is not ever really made clear. Yeah. But for the sake of the of, of a short window of time, you know, it, it it captured what it did. I thought pretty well. Yeah. Um, it was uh, hold on. the U view. I think it's called. Yeah, U view. Yeah, U V U was it? Um, this was uh, written and directed by Scott Stewart. Take a look at who he is. Uh, he directed uh, Legion and Dominion, uh, which the TV series based on Legion, mm-hmm. uh, and Priest. Um, it's kind of a one-trick pony then, because those all sort of look the same. Yeah, it's they've both got uh, what's his face, uh, Paul Bettany. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say this: of this one, this segment was probably the most produced. 
at least it's it was comparable with the Valentine's Day one, the swim team girls, as far as being the most produced segment, I think. That's fair. Um, and, uh, and you know, who who doesn't like Seth Green in a, in a, in a victim role like that? Or, sure. Or a, you know, potential, or not potential, but a, uh, a perennial fuck-up, mm-hmm. like clearly he is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, he's he's got he's clearly got a strained relationship with his mm-hmm. wife. His wife just thinks he's kind of a turd. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's out trying to get, like I said, the hottest toy of the season for mm-hmm. his kid, and it's sold out. And he, like the the guy, he tries to buy the last one off the guy that just bought it, mm-hmm. offers him like three hundred and then five hundred bucks, yeah. and the guy just says, you know what? If you wanted it so bad, you would have gotten here earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy starts having a heart attack i assume um and he basically swipes it from him and takes off and Mm -hmm. then yeah later on he puts this uv on gives it gives it to the kid on christmas it's a wonderful christmas morning yeah um and his kid you know kid puts it on you see what the kid's seeing Mm -hmm. it's like he's traveling on mars right and he puts it on And he's getting some fucking lap dance from yeah. some some leather clad stripper, yeah. um, and then uh, he you know, later on he puts it on again and he starts seeing the events from the night that he got it yeah. from the guys from the the perspective of the guy having the heart attack. Yeah, the guy he let die. Yeah, <laughs> and stole it from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so. That's kind of what that story's about. I mean, anything further than that I think might be spoilers, but. Well, when this is part, I, 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 I forget. I don't think it's being spoiled here. He accidentally, he leaves it on the bed and then he comes back into the room or whatever and, and his wife's just furious at him. How could you? How could you? And he thinks she saw the stripper. No. Am I missing that? Am I goofing that up? Because I thought, she, and then he, what she really saw was something entirely different. I thought he comes back in the room, and like, apparently you have to clear the memory after right, you use, and, he, and he didn't. Yeah, and he didn't, and she she saw the leaving. She saw him leaving the guy for dead. Yeah, that's right. And she says, "I'm I'm so hot right now." Yeah. she wants to bone him because she let the guy die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking twisted bitch. Um, so yeah. Uh, Thoughts? Um, I, uh, I I like the segment. Like, how do you not like uh, uh, Seth Green and, and something like that? Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, yeah, it's relatable because uh, although your mother and I never personally waited till Christmas Eve to go try to score something like that, we have been thwarted uh, when we thought we had you know. I mean, we've given all reasonable time to go and get. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's fun to make. Uh, uh, write stories around that panic, you know, like comedies like Jingle All the Way, yeah. and tr- you know, uh, scary stuff like like this one, horror stuff like this one, and I mean, because yeah, for the most part, every parent has been through that, um, and uh, for those that did not find a re, did not establish a recovery plan, yeah, it's the horror of all horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> says a lot about our society today, where that's what it takes to make for a Christmas celebration. <laughs> I don't think you guys were any of the worse for wear when. Uh, when we couldn't find those key things, you know, I don't think we knew any better. I don't better. think we knew any better, and you don't remember it now. So, um, 
anyway, but it, I thought it made for a pretty good story. It was pretty polished. Yeah. Um, pretty well executed. And uh, the story was, was fun. And it had kind of a uh, a catch at the end that I didn't see coming. Yeah. So I was like, all oh, the elements were there for a good quick, you know, 15, 20 minute little segment. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, had I not already known it wasn't him, I would have guessed that this was uh, an Adam Green um, short. Yeah. Uh, every Halloween he does a, a, a short based around Halloween. Um, and just his style was all over this. I mean, it also had Seth Green in it, mm-hmm. which he's, he's buddies with. Yeah. Um, so had I not known better, I would have guessed this was him. Um, just strictly based on like the, the story, like the, the, the subtle goofiness of it. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it was uh, well done. I mean, it, horrific, maybe not. More, maybe more sci-fi-ish or th- some. It seemed like something I'd see on like a, the Outer Limits. Outer Limits or a, the old Alfred Hitchcock show. Sure, you know. Um, I don't. Not not necessarily something I'd maybe qualify as horror. No, it's one of those things that the, you thought you were fucked five minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is what fucked really is. Right. Um, but, uh, all in all, it was, yeah, done pretty well, I thought. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Taylor. Um, Christmas. I still have a hard time believing Seth Green as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm supposed to buy him as a dad. This one was quir- quirky, but at the end, it just kind of fell flat. Well, you can't please everyone, I guess. Apparently can't please him with anything. <laughs> Uh, all right. So next up, and the last segment of the film uh, was New Year's Eve. Um, this, you know, I will agree with him on one thing though. Seth Green as a grown up is is, is a little hard. Yeah, Seth Green married to Claire Grant is something I still haven't got my mind wrapped around. That's his real wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he must have like a like a fourteen inch like ginger <laughs> cock or something. I don't know. Sure. Because it's like that woman's got it going on. <laughs> <laughs> I've never understood that. Her head's kind of shaped weird to me, but aside from that. Yeah, it's face down on a pillow. <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve um, starts out, or it's it's uh, written and directed by Kevin Kolsch and, uh, sorry, written by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer. Um, so again, the, the guys behind Starry Eyes, and then directed by Adam Egypt Mortimer. And I know I've heard that name before, but I can't think of why. Um, but it stars, uh, Lorenza Izzo, who we all know is Eli Roth's plaything or wife. Or they, are, they, are they married? I don't know. I don't know. She's got some splendor to do in this movie though. <laughs> um, she, uh, she's, uh, starts out, she's in her apartment. It's New Year's Eve and she's wrapped up in a blanket, you know, basically single, single girl status, you know, Cat girl. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> Wrapped up in a blanket eating ice cream, I think. Um, and um, there's also Andrew Andrew Bowen, who I recognize from Mad TV. TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is a, a killer. That's like pretty much presented right off the bat clear, because yeah. it starts actually starts out with him like having kidnapped a, a girl mm-hmm. has her tied to a chair 
Um, and then he he's kind of uh, aloof a little bit. Yeah. Like he <laughs> like he tries <laughs> tries to shoot the woman he has captive, and like he he loads the gun and he or he, he tries to dry fire the gun and like it's like oh it's not even loaded he puts one in and then it doesn't fire again yeah. he's like god damn it <laughs> eventually he shoots her and then he's on a dating site mm-hmm. bring, bringing it back to the beginning of the show right. um uh he's on a dating site and that's when she he pops up on Lorenzo Isla's phone and she says herself, "Well, it can't be any worse than the last one." And mm-hmm. this guy is just a total creep. Yeah, like he's got this greasy, slicked-over hair, or it's like parted down the middle yeah. or something. Um, and uh, it's like all his teeth are just like rotted and brown, <laughs> and he looks just sweaty and dirty. Yeah, the whites of his eyes are kind of yellowish. Yeah, he <laughs> just looks like he smells bad. Yeah, he's got a creepy mustache with like a few days, you know, and facial this, growth. This is how he makes his appearance. To, yeah. yeah, to a new new girl. Anyway, so they meet up at the bar, and it's kind of awkward. And you know, she seems maybe a little more responsive to him than I would have guessed. She seemed actually attracted to him. But now, here's the thing: this is what I was telling. She got a lot of explaining to do. Did she put on like thirty pounds? Right. Or is she, that just did she make her up for the movie? Because she in in Green Inferno and Aftershock, she fucking had it going on. She had a banging little body. She yeah, was, or in um, uh, Knock Knock. I mean, she was, she's she's really thin, like, yeah. in, in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not, you know, super voluptuous, but, I mean, she just was like, ah. Yeah. But I here, it's like, what the hell happened? Yeah, I didn't recognize her at Me first. Me either. If, if I didn't look it up, I would not have realized that was her. Yeah, and I mean, she's not obese by any means. No, but just but she, she looked like she put on about 30 pounds. I don't know if I even say that much, but she did look heavier, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she was Pregnant? I don't know. That could be. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, she uh, she just kind of comes across as like she's desperate and doesn't want to be alone on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and even this creep will do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you know, all the time he's basically planning to make her his next victim, right? Uh, and yeah, it just kind of plays from there. I won't reveal any more, mm-hmm. but. Um, goes a different direction. Yeah, it it, it does have a, a weird ending, like something mm-hmm. that I, I I'm actually surprised at myself that I didn't see it coming. I kind of thought that knowing now what what happened, I kind of would have thought that I'd see an ending like that coming, but I just didn't surprise myself. Um, that was one where I was thinking, okay, is this going to go? Is this all a dream sequence, or is this all is she real? And he's just imagining it. Um, mm. Is this gonna? Is he gonna snap out of it? He never, you know, killed that first one. He's still sitting there with an empty gun in his hand because he's just a big coward. You know. Yeah. I kind of thought maybe that's how this one might go, where he is just his whole life is all in his head. Yeah. But um, yeah, it didn't go that way. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of fall into that same category as like <laughs> you thought you were fucked before. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is what fucked is. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, interesting. Um, I, the, the fact that this is so like stylistically different than Valentine's day mm-hmm. and, you know, same writers, you know, that obviously presents, presents you with how much, um, different directors can change the, the vision yeah. of a story. Well, that speaks highly to the director if he can mix it up a little bit and still be. 
And the writers, too. I mean, obviously, they're yeah. pretty dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the segment just fine. It was a little, little tongue-in-cheek. It was, yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it was definitely goofy. I liked that he was kind of incompetent mm-hmm. as a killer. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, even... Even Lorenza Izzo wasn't as intolerable as she usually is. She's <laughs> she's really bad. At yeah, she's okay. huh? She's okay. She's okay looking. She's really bad at her job though. <laughs> as long as she's running around and near nothing, she's all right. She's tolerable. That's what criteria. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you have something else? No, I was just gonna say that 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 was a good good addition to the to the anthology. Yeah. Uh so let's see what Taylor said. Um, New Year's Eve. Hey, this isn't an Eli Eli Roth joint. What's Lorenzo <laughs> Lorenza Izzo's overacting ass doing here? <laughs> uh, I think this is my favorite segment. Despite her, it had sort of an American Psycho feel to it. Also, I want to kiss someone who makes me feel like removing the tape needs to be on a T-shirt. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> I want to kiss someone who makes me feel like removing the tape needs to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, I guess that's, that's it. So you must be getting cranky up on that plane. <laughs> you got, you got more, uh, you got more caustic as the, uh, as the reviews went on. <laughs> yeah. I guess, uh, being on a plane will do that too. Well, yeah. Um, so, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, like I said, uh, an anthology has to be just an absolute piece of shit for me to to to, to not like it. I, I don't know what it is. I just, like I said, I just said at the beginning the the, just the collection of different ideas and stuff. Um, it's something I don't have to think a lot about. Mm-hmm. Some just some mindless entertainment. I just I love them, and this one was uh, was not a disappointment. So, I'd say, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm good with this one. Uh, let's see. Taylor said, uh, as I've said on the show before, I'm not really a fan of these episodic anthologies. Uh, it just feels like I'm binge watching a TV show when I signed on to watch a movie. It's hard to give the movie an overall grade because each segment features a different writer director and a different tone. There's no wraparound or interconnecting story here. The format reminded me a lot of ABCs of death. Some mm-hmm. are good, some are bad, some are just okay. I can see this becoming a thing and can't wait to see what they do for Arbor Day and National Waffle Day. Overall, I think... I think he's being sarcastic there. You think? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, overall, I think I'm going to give it a four. While I enjoyed New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day, ones like Father's Day brought it back down. Okay, that's it for me. I'm going to go try and catch some Z's before we land. Good luck with the rest of the show. Bye. <laughs> Um, except for his statements as to why he did, I mean, as far as him not liking anthology, anthologies and, and the reasons why, except for that, mm-hmm. I actually tend to agree with a lot of what he said. Um, it captured those things the way he said them, but he didn't like that as a result, and I did. Mm. So, um, so we agree with the mechanics of it, just not what it meant to us as a, as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would give it, I'm going to give it a, and, and rating on an anthology is hard because you're rating it for the, almost for the purpose of others. Yeah. To say, okay, you know, so others would say, oh, okay, I will, I will act accordingly because this person said this. So in that respect, I'm going to give it like a, 
a hard six. I would not go to seven on it because seven and up is what I'd reserve for categories that I'd go out and buy it myself. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what our scale represents. Oh, I mean, does it? Okay. You know, a lot of people, they think like five is a bad rating. And it's like, no. I mean, if you think about one is like the worst movie ever and 10 is like the perfect movie. Five is like middle of the road. It's like, it's an okay movie. There's nothing great about it, but it's it's decent. You know, yeah. see so it. I, I give it like, you know, six and a half because I give it the highest rating I could give it short of wanting to go out and own it, a copy mm-hmm. of my own. Sure. So, you know, and if, it, if that was the case for my personal scale, I would say seven and above is something I'd go buy. Yeah. So in that respect, yeah, I'm going to give it like a high, high six. Okay. Um, I think I'll give it, uh, I think I'll probably match you and say six. Um, it was, there, there were a handful of duds in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not even a handful. There's only well, like six of them or seven of them. But I mean, there were two or three kind of, Meh yeah. ones in there. Uh, it doesn't really destroy the, the movie as a whole, though. Um, and that, like you said before, that's kind of the beauty of an anthology is like one doesn't really destroy the movie. Yeah. Um, there are other stories that lift it back up. Um, and I I guess when you just come right down to the basics, it's like I enjoyed more of them than I yeah. didn't. Fair enough. So, <clears throat> um but uh, yeah, I mean, tonally, it's it's uh, definitely. I mean, aside from it being obviously different segments, I mean, tonally, the the directors have such different visions that it's they're not similar in any fashion, um, and that's something I kind of don't like necessarily. Um, but again, that's something I try to stay conscious of in that like like I mentioned before Tales uh, sorry um, uh, Trick or Treat Mm -hmm. all written and directed by one person well he and whoever else he worked with but um, and so tonally they're all the same these are very separate distinct styles Um, but because it was definitely episodic and not necessarily interwoven um that's not something i'll, I'll fault them for um well, it, it wasn't intended to be no yeah um and there are, i mean there are obviously different styles of anthology mm-hmm. like this versus something like yeah this was very much like an abc's of death he was right when in yeah. the comment it's uh they were they have a, a theme Common theme, but they're not uh, they're not they're not tied together by anything exactly. but that theme. This reminded me of a of a you know R rated version of uh, the old uh, Night Gallery TV series after Rod Serling finished with Twilight Zone. I don't think you're that. You know Night Gallery is? I don't think so. Oh, it was a it was a N- NBC show. I want to say ran for early seventies from like seventy two I think to seventy five. It was late night, so it was a little more uh, adult, at least by 70s standards, you know. A little edgy. And, hmm? A little edgy. Yeah, it was just a little creepier, a little more, little more blood and guts than you'd see on prime time during that, during that era. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, uh, there would be uh, almost every episode, it was only half hour episodes, would have at least two stories. And sometimes there would be, uh, you know, two, you know, half, 15 minute segments 
counting commercials, you know, mm-hmm. separate show, uh, separate stories. And then sometimes it would run like, like 20 minutes on the clock anyway, 20, 25 minutes, cut for commercials, you come back and there was like a two minute sack, sack a two minute other story. Mm-hmm. Um, completely unrelated, except that they were just creepy. Yeah. And it was just an typical textbook anthology by definition. And that was, even back then when I was a kid, it's like, this is cool because you're getting, you know, you're getting a two for the price of one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the advent of why I started liking anthologies. <clears throat> uh, I think even uh, Tale from the Crypt was a little bit like that in some of its, uh, some of its delivery. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's something that's, uh, um, I don't know if I'd say it's necessary in movie making, but it's a it's a platform for you know new directors to uh, throw some trial versions out there. Um, it's a chance for like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, Stephen King doing the uh, uh, we call it Dollar Days or Dollar Dance, whatever. Dollar Baby. Dollar Baby. Uh, you know, giving someone a chance to pick up on an established story and do their own treatment to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of a neat neat way to see stuff that you don't have to dedicate a lot of energy to yeah. but you can put it away in your just mental notes saying i like that i want to see more of that i want to see more of that yeah you know so yeah. all right so yeah uh holidays it's gonna be two sixes and a four so mm-hmm. um anyway <laughs> so that's gonna do it for the reviews um and pretty much for the show i'm not gonna do plot holes because Taylor does that and he didn't pass on any information for me. So, um, anyway, uh, so that's going to do it for us for episode 60. Um, thanks again for coming on dad. I had fun yeah, as always. Too. Um, got a, another lengthy episode to edit. So that's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, just cut out all the parts where we're talking shit about Taylor. So that'll get you down to about half. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um so uh catch us again in a couple weeks um also uh that's going to be the first episode of um may and as we you remember from last year may is cystic fibrosis awareness month um we don't really have any related guests scheduled like we did last year um mainly because i couldn't think of anyone <laughs> um but uh I am currently working on the new t-shirt design. Uh, you may have seen us post about that on Facebook or Twitter. Um, but it's, yeah, brand new design for 2016. Um, those are going to be available in our shop pretty soon. As soon as I'm done coming up, or, you know, done creating the design, uh, they're going to be available for regular t-shirt price. But uh, if you remember last year, all of our all of our personal profits from the shirt, which is about $5, um, goes directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, so uh, it would be really nice if you guys could check those out and pick one up. And, uh, yeah, we'll be sure to uh, donate your your, your $5 um, on your behalf. Anyway, um, in the meantime, till our next episode, check us out uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash graveplotpodcast. Uh, we're at our Twitter at grave underscore plot. Uh, we're on Instagram and Google plus and all those places. Check us out on Stitcher and tune in radio. Um, also on iTunes and <clears throat> anywhere you can give us a rating, please do. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, kind of 
boost our numbers a little bit. Um, and uh, of course, check us out at graveplotpodcast.com. Uh, so, signing out for me and Taylor and my dad. Uh, this is Skeletoni. Catch you again in a couple weeks, guys. This has been the Graveplot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>